Hello and welcome to the BNB Show. My name is Brandon. This over here is Brendan from Seahawks, Brendan Nelson, the YouTube channel. And we are here to talk some Seahawks talk today about some specific places. We're going to look specifically, we're going to take a microscope, folks. And we're going to look real closely here at this number five pick and really all of the viable options, all the viable players within what might make sense here on this pick and try to take it from stem to stern. Because let's face it, I don't think it's overstating this to say this is going to be potentially one of the most important picks in Seahawks history and what it can do to propel this team forward and, and to kick this draft off in the right way. Uh, we've got some other news to discuss as well. Bobby's return and a couple other little items to get into. But before we do that, Brendan Nelson, thank you for jumping on the channel. How are you doing this night? Doing good tonight, man. Thank you for having me back on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I think the first news that we got to get to, the people will probably want to most understand between both of our mindsets on this. And I'm kind of interested to pick your brain. I've, I've stayed away from a little bit of just understand. I listened a little bit of your video on your breakdown on it, but um, maybe you have a different place on this than I do to a degree. The Bobby Wagner signing comes down is the main breaking news that's happened since you and I last did our show on Thursday. And uh, I was a little bit surprised, Brendan, on this, that there was a little bit of a uh, separation on, let's just say, Twitter or Seahawks Twitter or whatever, the online sphere about what people thought about this move a little bit. Mostly people were happy and satisfied, but there was a little bit of consternation out there. Where did you sit with this move? What was your reaction? Um I, I mean, look, I'm not going to act like we're getting the best linebacker in the league. I don't believe that. I know he had the number one PFF score last year, but I don't think Bobby Wagner is the best linebacker in the league right now. I don't. But he is. we are getting somebody who is much better than anything we've had last year. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the important thing. We got something sustainable, something viable, something that isn't going to cost us games. I don't believe that Bobby's at that level yet either. I believe that he is still a good linebacker. I believe that he is a significant upgrade over what we had. And, at the, you know, when we released Bobby Wagner about a year ago, um, leading to that release, before that release happened, one thing I said on my videos was, I don't really want Bobby back for any amount of money. And people have wondered, well, why do you feel differently now? And simply, it's just the, the stuff that we've had has not developed at all. Jordan Brooks has not developed and he's hurt. Cody Barton's gone. BBK has gone. Uh, his career is basically over. And to a certain extent, yes, I acknowledge this is something of a desperation move to try to make the linebacker core manageable, but sometimes you have to do those things. Like I, I often say, free agency is where you go when you fail in the draft. If Not that anybody does this, but if you were hypothetically a team that always knocked the draft out of the park and always nailed your picks and always got impact players you would probably never have to go into free agency because your needs would be taken care of through the draft. But when you do something like you botch the Jordan Brooks pick, to a certain extent, I would say botch the Cody Barton pick and the BBK pick, you have to go into free agency, spend a little more money than maybe you wanted to, to get it done. Now, I want the main thing about this deal that surprised me is that it's a one-year deal. I did not think we would be willing to take on that cap hit in one season. And it puts us in a very, how should I put this? I'll say difficult situation going forward for the rest of this offseason. Um, by my count, we are currently sitting on less than $2 million in cap space, currently. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I kind of like about this, and this is kind of a weird thing to say. I know this doesn't sound like that big of a deal. It's not a huge thing. What I am going to say is it implies we're going to have to do some gymnastics here to get under the cap, which I like. 
because of this other news item that we're going to talk about. We know it's not going to be that thing, so it's going to have to be other things that you know this team is uncomfortable doing, but they're going to have to do it. And I kind of like they're willing to put themselves in that situation. Yeah, I, I, and you know, I, we both kind of advocated for this being that, you know, we're not asking for you to go whole hog Ram style, a la, you know, to 2021. We're, what we're asking for is for you to push the envelope in a way that modern NFL teams have to do so when they find themselves to be in a state of truly competing in a given year, not being in a rebuild year, but being in a year of, hey, we're going to really go for it in this given season. And so being in this territory, I look at it as well as a, um, a, a good indicator for them because in the past, Brendan, they have been a little more conservative in this kind of approach recently, have they not? Yeah. Um, I think the only time we've used void years in any contract was that 2021 offseason. The uh, Posick, Gerald Everett, and a couple other deals we had had void years, but they were very, very minor and very, very light. And as of right now, we don't have any. I wonder how many teams in the NFL don't utilize those at all. But Honestly, the way things have gone with this Bobby Wagner contract, assuming it's a full $7 million hit this year, which is the story right now, mm -hmm. if that's true, then honestly, I think in order to get out of this, they might have to do something like, hey, we're going to move a couple million of DK Metcalf's contract into a void year or do it with Tyler Lockett or do it with somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, it, if they do that, then I like that because it indicates that they're at least willing to do it. Yeah, it shows that they're all in in that approach of things. You don't have to sell the whole farm and everything, but you can certainly try to go a little bit harder, push the envelope just a little bit more, just just a little bit more to get that extra player out there, as opposed to Brendan to pro gone into this process and saying, no, let's not bring in Bobby. Let's just wing it with a rookie linebacker and hope between Jordan Brooks and Devin Bush that they're going to make do on this defense. And that's a calculation they've made in the past, and it's not worked out too well when they've relied upon that kind of scenario to be a fix in a situation like this. Um, so I, I think it, it's, it, it makes it, in, in that respect, a good move in just, just on them being aggressive and being willing to go for it. I think, too, Brendan, isn't there a little bit of an impact here on this move that goes beyond just simply the X's and O's of the field and what the player is and how good he is? I'm not a guy that nor typically is going to lean into the locker room stuff or the value of that. But when you do have a young roster, as we are due to have, when you are going to have a young defense, as we are due to have, isn't there a lot more value built in with having a veteran presence like Bobby in this Wagner in, in this locker room to help bring things along? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a big thing, actually, especially with a guy like Devin Bush, who, I mean, this is his chance to save his career. He's got a one-year deal, and if he doesn't show signs of life by the end of the year, I don't know what he is at that point. Is he just a special teamer going forward, going to bounce around the league for a while, trying to latch on as a you know minimum player? So I think that's going to be big for him, getting somebody like Bobby in there. And look, if we bring back a guy like a Tanner Muse, which could still happen, maybe he gets involved in that picture as well. Because mm -hmm. Tanner Muse was only here for a couple weeks during Bobby's last season, so there hasn't been crossover there yet. But uh, yeah, I would say there's a very good chance that um, Bobby has value in that area that we don't totally get to see. And that's what I try not to lean to too much because, like you said, you we don't know, we don't see it, so it's hard to know. But this one, it does feel pretty certain. It's mentioned about so much and often with him that it feels like one where there's a little bit of you can build that as an extra plus into this deal, as an extra bit of value into this deal that it's hard to quantify. It doesn't show up in, show up in the stat sheet. You know, it's like the, I, I was making this reference, Brennan, back in the day. I don't even remember Lofa Tatupu back in the day, but Lofa was the butt tapper, right? Lofa would come up the line oh, of scrimmage yeah. and – 
He'd tap the butts of the defensive lineman, move him into the right gap, come over here, tap this guy into the right gap. Then he'd go back and he'd set up pre-play. And the lineman would shoot the gap to the place Lofa had sent them, go make the play. You know, Lofa's not getting the stat for that, but he it was his showing people kind of where they need to be. And you're not going to confuse Bobby at this point, right? He's seen it all, done all. There's there's not some offensive formation trickery that's really going to throw him in a, a wild direction. And he's going to have a step ahead of things more often than not. Yeah, yeah. I'm I I'm definitely not, like I said, I don't think he's the best linebacker in the league anymore just because PFF says that he is. I, I don't yeah. I don't believe that. Agreed. But I'm also not with some of the people on Seahawks Twitter that have been very negative about this deal. Like um, uh, Matty F. Brown and his crew really don't like this. They actually said I would have rather brought back Cody Barton for about the same price. But um, I'm definitely not with that. So I think that at the end of the day, the smart way to look at this is we just got a lot better. Like before this signing, did we have the worst linebackers in the league? Inside linebackers? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, especially considering that Jordan Brooks is coming off that injury and his game is built around being fast. So he might never be the same. It might just kind of be over for him. His game was predicated on the ability to be fast. Yeah, that's that. That's to, to say that Barton. That, that just I'm getting hung up on that comment you just said. That, that you that you would go at this point in time. You watched a season of Barton, and that's people. Ugh, oh my god, dude! Like, I I have a lot of respect for Mayf Brown doing this stuff, but that's a that's a miserable take. And again, it's not yeah, about he, like. Yeah, he he loves Cody Barton. He thinks Cody Barton was a great linebacker. I, I I don't know why exactly, but I know that he thought Barton was fantastic. Yeah, he's usually really on a lot of his stuff. On this particular point, though, this one, you're he's wide off the mark. And as I've said with this, Brendan, and I'm not going to go on too far a tangent with this, but it's not about measuring Bobby against what he was. We're not looking at, well, he's not this what he was, and he doesn't do he doesn't run with Randall Cobb 45 yards up the football field, the man coverage. Like he could do that. It's not about that. It's about what he is right now. And like you said, I would agree with you. Okay, he's not the best middle linebacker in the sport last year by PFF, but was he, uh, okay, we take off 10 points. Should I take off just arbitrarily 30 points, which I'd almost have to take off of to reach Cody Barton's grade on the season? You know, like it's ridiculous to, to see the level of play Cody Barton throughout the tour. And I know he got a little bit better as the year went on, but it's the total of the year of what you did. And Cody wasn't good at the end of the day in total at the end of the year. And there's a lot of holes on his tape. Um, Bobby's so much better purely as a, take out the locker room stuff, Brendan, the leadership stuff. Purely as a player right now, he's better. I watch the all 22 stuff too here. I don't know what, what you're seeing on that one. That one's, that was a, that's, that's wild. Um, but it, you're right. There's people out there that have been, that, that have been sort of sitting on this trail of it. And I don't, I don't get it. I watched the all 22 Brennan. Yeah. He's not rangy. He doesn't go sideline to sideline, but the instincts, that's the part that these people don't talk about with the lost step thing that I don't, if you've watched the all 22 tape, then why aren't you also acknowledging this part about Bobby in that he's always a step he's always a step in the right direction faster than any other middle linebacker. Who's got to sit there like Jordan Brooks and diagnose and where's it going? Where's it going? And he gets there already pre-snap a step or two before that guy's even got his feet moving. Where, what is that? You know, I don't know. Weird. I, I just, I'm thrown off by this, especially at 7 million. We were paying him 18 million on average per year on a deal. We signed in 2019 for Bobby Wagner, Brendan. We now have him on a one year, $7 million deal. We're paying less than half. We're up almost a third of the cost of what he costed before two years later or whatnot. I, I feel like it's a pretty good deal down the line. It's hard to pick. There's deals you pick apart, but, and then if you're not going that, you're going to go Barton instead. So they want to bring, you know, bring back Barton in a scheme that doesn't fit him. He's going to Washington to go play in a four, three, which fits. Him. Right. Right. I, I've said it before. I think he's going to do well in Washington because it yeah. suits him. That, but he's a pure four, he's a pure four, three Mike, right? That's what he needs to be. That's where he needs to go. And he's not a three, four middle. He's a, he's a four, three Mike. 
Um, quick, two quick questions with this Bobby signing that I want to touch on with you. Number one is what does this do as far as your thought process with the second round pick in looking at a potential or a first round pick in looking at a linebacker? Uh, it doesn't really change my perspective on the draft at all. I still think okay. we need another linebacker. I mean, right now, you 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 need two, first of all. We were, we're running this 3-4 Fangio defense according to all sources. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I, I don't think it's just talk because we mm-hmm. signed Draymond Jones, who's a 3-4 end, and Jaron Reed seems better as a 3-4 end than Agreed. what he is as a 4-3-3 uh, tech right now. Mm-hmm. So I believe we are doubling down on this new defense. Um, right now your secondary starting middle linebacker is going to be a first round bust, a relatively colossal bust. And I called him that in a video and people were like, how can you say he's a bust when he's only 24? He's a bust for the team that drafted him. Believe me. Like, it doesn't matter what he does now. As of right now, he is a bust. And then you've got Jordan Brooks, who for all we know, won't play this year, right? Like he could just not be able to make his way back this year. That's very possible. Yeah. And then you've got John Radigan, who's never played anything but special teams. You've got Vi Jones, who's never done anything, really. You've got Josh Onujiogu, who is an outside linebacker who played inside linebacker for like a few snaps last year because we had nobody else. You, you don't have I, – I still don't think that position is taken care of at all, especially when Bobby's probably going to be gone next year one way or the other. So let's flesh this out then and give let me give you a kind of a tangible example here. You might, Bobby doesn't sign here and you're at 20. There's maybe a heavy drive there to look at a, a Henley, a Campbell, uh, a Simpson. You know, you're the, it's almost kind of like you're really drawn to make that pick in that spot. You know, now do you feel a little more comfortable wading into the depths of the second round with Bobby on that? Or like you said, is it just merely it doesn't impact it and that really, no, we need it. And it, it's a, it's something that's important to this defense going forward. Well, I looked at a lot of draft linebackers over the past couple weeks because I did a bunch of videos for it for my channel. And my estimation is that I, I'm getting the sense that there are going to be no day one linebackers this year. Mm. Um, I don't agree with it completely, but over and over again, I look at the, you know, Trenton Simpson evaluations and it's all like not first round, not first round, not first round. Um, Drew Sanders, uh, he's a guy who's been moving up lately, but he's still not at the first round. And I don't believe he's going to get there. Uh, Jack Campbell, I don't think he's going to get there. So, yeah, I'm not really looking to take a linebacker at 20 at this point. I don't think you need to. And I think that even if some do, by the time you get to our pick at 20, there will be no linebackers off the board at that point. I don't think even Simpson, like some people are saying a team like Pittsburgh could get him to replace Devin Bush. But I don't see it. So there are going to be a lot of options still there. I still don't know if Henley's really going to be a first-round pick. I don't know if he's even going to be an early second-round pick. So I'm willing to wait a little bit and try to get the value there. You're not desperate at that point anymore, I admit. But once you get into that second round, I'm kind of open for business at the linebacker spot. Yeah, I am too. And I I do think that I do think Campbell's going to be a guy that sneaks in the back of the first at this point. I think he finds his way in. Simpson's a little bit harder to because somebody's got to fall in love with him and then somebody drafts him. Brennan's got to be about whether they're going to then be able to use him off the edge too. the Julian Peterson role, right? The, the Micah Parsons role where you, you're able to kind of get a, a bunch of value out of him and, and using him in a couple of places. But Campbell seems like in what I've read that he might be pushing up into the, into the top of the first. Um, and we've seen in the past, there be runs of middle linebackers at the back end of the first like that, right? When they don't go throughout the first the, the first round, like last year, you had a couple of guys go with the Green Bay, and you had uh, Philadelphia take their guy. Um, there's been a few drafts like that where those uh, we had the Patrick Queen Jordan Brooks 
picks, right? In the year Jordan right. Brooks was taken, where it's at the end of the first. So I think there'll probably be at least one plucked at the end of that first. That's why I say that 20, because you'd be looking at if your Hawks have, we think this guy won't be there maybe of one guy we particularly like. Um, if they have a guy that they have a preference for of this, those guys you mentioned are kind of this select three, four of the top end and the rest are kind of all in their other section, right? Talent wise. So, yeah, I don't know. Just the more I looked at it, the more I was like, it's, I'm not feeling the first round linebacker this year. We'll see. There could be one. You're right. But it seems like a position that is slowly starting to get devalued anyway. Certainly does. Certainly does. One last, just quick question with Bobby on this is the Rams were able really last year to utilize Bobby in a way that we didn't utilize him when he was here as much. And he was doing it from within the Vic Fangio cover two defense. Would you like to see a little bit more of a utilization of Bobby as a blitzer now coming to this after they showed you that he could do it, do it well there? Or would you try just try to kind of more fit him to the role of what you have in the defense and what you ask for the, this particular defense from that position? I'm definitely trying to emulate what the Rams did last year. He played really good football. I'm not interested in turning him to a, a pile jumper, as they like to call him sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, No interest in that. Um, I think his impact was kind of muted in that role in previous years. Like, um, I would, I remember the last few years Bobby was here, I would look at some of these games that he played and I'm like, you know, he didn't really do anything wrong, but there's just not a whole lot he can do to affect the game in this way. Like I remember when we played the bills in 2020, when we got blown out or the defense at least got blown off the field, I guess would be more accurate to say. Like there's so little Bobby can do in a game like that because the Bills just went into that game thinking, saying to themselves, okay, we're not going to run the ball. We're mm -hmm. just not. We're never running the ball ever. We don't need to. It's not going to help. We're just going to throw the ball. And Bobby had no positive impact in that game. And I'm looking at that game. I'm like, he's not doing anything wrong, but we are paying a lot of money to a linebacker who is this easy to take out of the game. And then you look at what the Rams did and you're like, okay, that's a good way to let him have impact on a game like that. It is. And especially when you have a guy in tandem that you could run with Jamal, where you have two plus blitzers now that you feel like maybe if you had a creative defensive mind that could find a way to, to be moving those, bringing those guys from different places in different times, and but bringing them at a, a fairly high rate. I think it does draw Carroll away from that thing, though, that he doesn't like to go to, which is the risk, right, Brendan? Because if you start blitzing linebackers or safeties, it's going to leave holes in the back end. And he we know that one thing about Carroll at times, he hates holes on the back end in his coverage. So it's going to take, you know, Carroll kind of being willing to be a little bit more, you know, loose and free with that. But boy, I think it would bring, bring about some wonderful results letting both of those guys just turn loose a little bit. You don't have to run them 24-7, but like you said, they we, we would blitz him. It always seems like he would get his sacks really highly efficiently, right? Like he would have just very few time, few bites of that apple and would make the most out of it. Right. On that spec. Well, that uh, lends me well through to our next topic here about Jamal uh, Adams, because there was also some uh, news broken. Folks will be getting right here to the fifth pick in just a sec. Um, and that Jamal Adams was confirmed here by by uh, Coach Carroll here in a recent press conference that he gave that they do intend to have Jamal back, that there wasn't any sort of question left out there by what Carroll was kind of getting across in the interview. Um, and certainly, Brendan, we would have expected at least my let's see if you agree with me on this, that if the team was thinking in the back of their mind, let's see where he looks on his physical. Does he pass his physical? If he doesn't, we're going to maybe be leaning to like letting him go. If they were thinking a little bit of that, I don't know if Carol is as straightforward in his wording of this situation to say that we're, we're, we we're, he is here. He is going to stay. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not really surprised by it. I never really thought releasing Adams was super realistic. I thought it was a distinct possibility 
But to me, the only way it would happen is if they bas- the doctor said, eh, he's not going to play football anytime soon. But it never made any sense to me. It's just too much dead money. Like the, I, I know you can get back a little bit of money if you do the post-June 1st thing, but then you're pushing so much of it into 2024. And 2024, yeah. by the way, might be the year when you're kind of gearing up for it. Like, mm-hmm. why would you want to push the big bulk of that cap hit into a future year if 2024 is going to be a go-for-it year for you? Like a real go-for-it year. Yeah. it's a good point. It's a good point. And I, I like you. I didn't think it would necessarily happen absent that physical, just them not having the confidence that he could get back. If you couldn't have him for next year at all, or you thought he ain't going to be back right next year at all, um, he'll just be in recovery mode. Well, then maybe you're, you know, you're, you're thinking in a different way, but, um, what do you know? What, what is his cap hit next year? Uh, not uh, the release, but just the cap hit of him next year in 2024. Yeah. It is 23.6 million. we Okay. Yeah. He gets up yeah. there at that point. He's, he's climbing yeah. the charts. If, if he doesn't do have a big impact this year, I do think next year is probably the year, but if you choose to release him as a post June 1st candidate next year, the cap hit in 2024 is halved. So that's why I say just wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that makes sense. It does. And and I think there's certainly, if not if not the release at that point of trade, there's certainly going to be a restructuring. I don't see him sitting at 23 and a half just on the books as is at that point. They're going to they're gonna take some steps. Um, but it's good to hear, like you were saying earlier about the Bobby thing with Jamal staying here, it does say a little bit more too. We're, we're hoping to get the most out of this year. We're hoping this guy does come back and he can go. Um, there is that a little bit of that confidence there, which is again, more indicators that, you know, I were kind of wondering if this year was going to be more of rebuild 2.0 rebuild year two, or if it was going to be, no, we were a one year rebuild. And now we're actually pushing to really, really push this forward to really go. And it may be too young next year, but you can still be pushing really forward to go and still be young at the same time. They don't have to be mutually inexclusive. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think, I do think some Seahawks fans have forgotten how good that, uh, Jamal Adams can be like. In in this new defense, if he stays healthy, I think he can have a very positive impact on this team. I don't know if it'll be the positive impact you would have had years ago before these injuries, but I do believe he can have a very positive impact. To your, your point, there's a reason this guy was a top 10 safety picked in a draft when safeties don't go in the top 10. And it was, it's, it, he is a guy that I hear you on that. There's some, I'm sure you're hearing it in your chat and seeing it online and the narrative that starts to get presented about Adams that he somehow well, he wasn't even really a good player anyway, beyond the blah, 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 you know, and it's like, no, 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 no. He's, he is a good player. He could play this game when he's on the field for him. It's really just the injury side of it. And Seattle definitely in that first year had to learn how to use him right too. There's like too many of the single high safety cover two looks with him, which is just not as much what he does. That's why you got Julian Love, right? This is what Carol's talking about with Julian Love. You're getting, he said, well, this frees us up to use Adams as da, da, da. What he's talking about is this frees us up from moving Adams out into a cover two place or in single high situations and get him down near the line of scrimmage. That's how mm-hmm. I took that. Yeah. Yeah. He, actually, the stuff he said was pretty encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be an understanding of like, we're going to lean into our strengths here. Our strength is our safeties. Mm-hmm. We have four cap- very capable safeties on this team. So let's get them on the field in creative ways. And luckily for us, a lot of the safeties we have are capable of lining up all over the place. Like, uh, I saw a thing. Apparently, Julian Love actually played outside corner for uh, 200 plus snaps during his time in New York. So he played inside, outside, uh, box safety, uh, deep free safety. Um, uh, He's done a lot of different things. So I got a few linebacker snaps in there somewhere along the way. Probably. I mean, that would be surprising. It would be surprising to me if it wasn't. No, it's it's 
it's really flexible and versatile. And I came back to remember a couple of years ago, we were doing it. It was that Niner game on the road. Uh, and it was the game where um, I think Lance had to come in for Garoppolo. And we were utilizing at that time, those dime looks where you had Ryan Neal as your fourth corner, right? Adams on the field at the same time. And boy, that you could, there were times they would run that formation out, Brendan, up against three wide receiver looks, which, you know, you run Madden, you never, you'll never run like a dime package on a three wide receiver look, or you're going to get crushed in the running game. But they were able to do so because obviously they have plus run defenders and a guy like Neil and Adams out there to kind of get around it. But then they, then they have a little bit of an extra notch on the coverage side when they can go to that. I wonder if they can go back to kind of some of those same packages because Adams got injured right after that, Brendan. That's why it didn't take off as much as he got that injury at that point. So it was like, just as you kind of figured out the, secret sauce, magical formula, it, it sort of went to hell. Right. Right. So I don't know. I was pretty encouraged by what he said. And I, for the record, assuming he can play, I agree with the decision to not move off Jamal right now. Yeah. For the record. Me too. I, I was only on it if it was just a potential of you didn't think he was get back on the field or he couldn't get back to near what he was. But if you have some, any kind of confidence that was the case, then you're right with the dead money hit. You didn't want to do it. You don't want to, you don't want to go down to that crazy town unless it's your hand is forced. And that would have been the forcing of the hand at that point. Uh, John Stillwell, thank you for the $50 donation. You're awesome, John. I do appreciate it, man. And I hope you're having a good night out there. He says, if they don't have a CPA to make the numbers work, I'll be more than happy to volunteer my services. Well, maybe not volunteer. Yeah, come on, John. You know, any good accounts, you got to have that, that hourly fee here, man. You know, they'll take advantage. You, give, you know, John, you know, you give those clients those free hours, they'll take them. <laughs> yeah long. yeah i mean i have wondered though do they have something like really cool up their sleeve like a technique that nobody else knows about like how until recently it seemed like nobody knew what void years was and then suddenly everybody does maybe they've got like the new void years they're gonna do something weird i mean it's i i think you've got still a lot of time for them to determine what they're gonna do that's the thing is like they can be at the place they're at now and they're not really pushed by like a sense of urgency with this like you guys got to get under this by the draft to figure it like there's time to figure it out and I think at the end of the day, as complicated as it looks on the surface of it, it it's really amounts to a couple deals being converted based to bonus with a void year or whatnot. You're not really putting, and I know John will bristle at this, Brendan, because John's a big, he's, he's very anti on the, uh, you know, all in this year to kind of eat for future cap tomorrow kind of thing. But this is, I also say with you, John, a lot on this one, this wouldn't be that case where you're doing a lot for tomorrow. You're not, you're not robbing a lot. Like Brendan talked about with the Adams thing and releasing him this year and how much you're really robbing for the future. You, you move some of these numbers on, lock it quandary digs deal convert base to bonus add the void year on it's not really that big hit down the road that you're you're suffering from that uh in order to get yourself underneath uh, in my opinion yeah I, you know i mean maybe we're gonna do like the reds with griffey deferred payments like 15 <laughs> years later there we go we're gonna have like this one million dollar cap hit for dk metcalf in 2049 I can't think of the football's ever had a guy that's done one of those deals. We got Bobby Bonilla. We got Griffey that's done it in baseball. I think basketball's had some guys before they came to the settlement stuff. Basketball used to have that stuff going. But I can't think for the life of me, Brendan, of anybody in football that's ever done kind of a move like that. Um, yeah, you wouldn't think they – I mean, the void year stuff just started, it felt like. So really, the deferred payment thing is kind of like an expansion of the void year. It's like the void year stuff to the extreme. Yeah, right? agreed. So maybe it'll happen eventually, right? It could. The other thing with it is those owners are so touchy about contracts in the NFL. You see with the Lamar thing, right? Like they're very, they're very like, it's got to be by the standard that we have in place. And if there's people, if there's stuff outside the number, like they, they get real, you know, dodgy about it. Don't set the standard. Don't slippery slope, slippery slope, Brendan, you know, but 
Some team I would think would eventually look at doing that where they're like, what if we just gave him the money and we said, we'll give you 20 million over 20 years. What's a million off our cap every year? Yeah. I wonder if there's something in the CBA to prevent you on that. I mean, if I could do it, if I were a GM, I would do it. Like a million dollars off the cap a year is not, especially with the cap going up the way that it is. Not not significant. Yeah, because what if you could come out of it with, let's say, a 20 million a year player? Let's say you take that 20 million in your player. You say, we're going to give you the vet minimum at 2 million. We're going to, we're going to give you more money than we, or you were going to be a 15 million guy. We'll make you a 20 million guy, but you just have to wait till this period of the contract, you know, this many years down the line to get all that money, but it's fully guaranteed, you know? And that's the, the yeah. fully guaranteed is the tough part probably, but that would be the way you could maybe, you know, give me a given year. I might be willing to do it. I mean, the thing that I would say that maybe the NFL wouldn't allow it, is in baseball, there's like a soft cap, right? Mm-hmm. So the amount of money a team can spend is kind of only limited by the owner. So when an owner does something like that, like with Bobby Bonilla or Griffey, it's because they can't afford it. They legitimately could not afford it unless they did this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm assuming the Reds could just straight up have not gotten Griffey if they didn't do something like that. Because I know that they're, as at least right now, very cheap organization. That's why Griffey's actually the yeah. third highest pay, play, paid player right now, right? Yeah, yeah. They've got that old ownership group. I think there that's been there forever, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, so that's why that happens in baseball. They have to do it in football. That's not the case. You're limited by the cap. So I think if a team was that blatant about circumventing the cap, the NFL would probably step in and be like, "Look, this is defeating the whole purpose of having a hard cap." Yeah, it, it would. I think they would come in and say that's not a valid contract. We're we're taking that down, you know. Or, or a team would have done it at this point. I think some to some degree, and they're they're doing this with the void years already. Brennan, some of the back end guarantees like the Rams are giving out. So teams are already kind of playing with this a little bit. But maybe that's the next step. Maybe that's the next place the teams the all in is the all in for two decades. <laughs> we're going all in, and we're gonna we're gonna cost ourselves for two decades from this. I know John Stellwell is just twisting out there right now hearing this. <laughs> Thank you for the fifty dollars, though, John. I appreciate you, man. We're not gonna, we're not, we're not, we're not charging a lot on the card for future this way. We're just charging a little, a little bit. Just getting a couple items for the, you know, for the team. It's so an interest-free credit card. Yeah, it's interest-free, John. It's free. It's like, it's like free money. How do you not use that? You know. <laughs> appreciate you, John. And thank you for the, thank you for all your support on the channel, both me and Brendan's man. You're, you're, uh, you're awesome, brother. Uh, Kevin Mullen with a two dollar donation. So safe to say we run a four-two-three base defense, two linebackers, three safeties. Um, I don't think so. Um, I think that you are going to see three down linemen, and sometimes you're going to see two. Um, I think that um, you you are going to see sets where we only have one inside linebacker, which is what we saw last year. Like Brooks was on the field all the time. Barton was on the field anywhere from like 40 to 70% of the time, depending on the matchup. So I think you're going to see a base three, four, and then we improvise from there. Yeah, Kevin. So you'd, you'd have your two defensive tackles. You have your two outside linebackers. So technically at that point, you're, you're standardized at times in the four, um, four linebackers on the field and base at times, almost there a little bit, but you, what I think really is going to happen here is they have a wide variety of different packages they can trot out. We talked to, I just talked about the dime package with Brendan with the way you go with that you could come out with Jamal and you could have him out there as your, your weak side linebacker, Mike in the three, four, maybe at times, maybe you bring Julian love down as a strong safety. And then you put, um, 
Ryan Neal out there at strong. And then maybe even at times you have Jamal as a middle linebacker. I've thought about those too, Brendan. What about a killer package? You get to dime situations or times and you're worried about Bobby and coverage. You know, it's not a run run play, for instance, moving then Jamal down and sort of as a, as they call it, like, I think the it's called like the predator role at Alabama, but you essentially moves down there as that, as that uh, dime middle linebacker. And then you can have a guy then that's a little more fleeter of foot than you have in middle, most middle linebackers down there. And he's in a coverage position where he can excel because it's, you know, running backs and tight ends he's picking up then coming out. I think they've got a, a lot. Yeah. yeah, a lot we can do. A lot we can do. I don't think, Kevin, there's a set way they're they're looking to go out with this. I think it's they're you're gonna hopefully they're doing it right. We should see a wide variety of different packages they're trotting out. I would say. Thank you for the donation though, Kevin. Appreciate you, man. Uh John Stillwell with another twenty dollar donation. I appreciate you, man. Uh, and I know you're going to be, I know you're going to bristle at this one, John. So I called it on this one. Uh, he says, I understand your points on deferring the cap hits to the future. I just don't agree. We're still cool though. Right guys. Oh, totally, man. I, and, and I, I get it. Um, and, and me and John have had a lot of off, off, uh, line discussion on this. Um, just about, you know, the, the cost of doing business and the pushing the can down and how much that, uh, that works versus how much that hasn't worked in NFL history, you know, really pushing it down. And, um, I, I can see the conservative thing with the John and, and like we had talked about offline. I, when I look back in my history of this, you talked to me 10 years ago, I'd said, I wouldn't want to take this mark. I wouldn't want to go this direction, but coming through years now of being the consistent winning team. Cause I think that's something you mentioned, John, in your post, when we were having the offline discussion, the value of it becomes, well, I want to have the consistent team there year in and year out. I want the consistent team that can compete year in and year out. Well, we've kind of had that, haven't we, Brendan, for the last seven, eight years here. I'm talking after the Super Bowl here. I'm talking about almost for a whole decade of time since our last Super Bowl, you've had the consistent winning organization. And there's value in that, but there's not the value in that of you ever being an elite team, is there? Isn't there a place where you do kind of top out if you take just that potential just conservative approach? I uh, Either that. Or you can, you know, get the best quarterback in the league who's also willing to play on a very steeply discounted contract like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Or you can build the greatest defense in NFL history out of mostly rookie contracts and pass rushers who play for half their worth for unknown reasons that will never be explained. Um. Yeah, I think you kind of just have to do – I think you just kind of have to – unless you find yourself in that very unique situation that you really don't have control over. Hmm. Like Patrick Mahomes absolutely could have just said, I'm not doing a 10 year deal. Are you guys insane? No, I'm getting a four year deal for, you know, 55 million a year. And we're going to read, talk about this again in a few years. Unicorn um, situations. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, same with, you know, Brady, I guess, if you want to throw him in there, sure. Yeah. Like if you don't have one of those special scenarios, and I know some people are going to say we kind of have that with Gino because Gino ended up taking a contract that was way less than what I think he could have gotten. Mm -hmm. But Gino is also not the best quarterback in the league. That's the thing with the Pat Mahomes uh, arrangement that's so um, weird. Almost I would I, I, well maybe it's not weird, but so. Difficult so, from a comparison standpoint, like right. because people are going to lean to that as a comparison model, and it's a one that's almost impossible to replicate. Which I think is kind of what you're trying to say on that is that it's you're 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 not going to find the Burrows or Mahomes unless you really get lucky on it. But this other pathway is one that's more a little bit tried and true in recent times. Teams like Denver, let's the year after we beat them, right? When didn't Denver go to the they went out in free agency and they spent a lot of money and they they robbed from the bank a little bit to make it all happen and convert paid Manning's bis to that, and they got the money in and they got themselves a Super Bowl win. 
Uh, Buccaneers, even with Brady taking the discount, pushed the envelope as far as the monetary goes on other signs of it to the point this year. They're, John, they're feeling that pain this year, right? What did they start? What were they at, Brendan? Start the year over the cap? This 60 offseason? Over. 60, 60 over. over, John. So they were 60 over. They're paying the price oh. for this now. <clears throat> and the Rams as well. This is three recent teams, John, in the last you know six six years, seven years of winning Super Bowls that have taken this approach. The Rams this prior year, with all of the guaranteed money that they layered, with all of the deals and the first round picks that they gave up, they gave up that future to be great that one year and it got them that championship. It may not be the cost of doing business, John. It just, it's starting to feel like, I think as Brennan said, it's starting to feel like it is the cost of doing business. That if you have a given year, you're deciding it's it. This is it. This is it. You know, well, then you you better go in. You better be making some aggressive moves down the line at that point. Or you'll yeah. do like, sorry, go ahead. Go look at what the Eagles did to, to the uh, Lane Johnson contract last week. That's what they have to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't even agree with them doing it. I actually think it was a mistake for them to do it, but they're trying to stay on top and that's what it costs. That's what it takes. Yeah. And I, I think if you don't want to do that, you're right, John, and that you can be a consistent winner and you can be a team that kind of gets into the playoff every year, but you're never going to be that team to push into conference championships, say nothing of getting to Super Bowls. It's a place when I look at the Green Bay Packers and our approach, which is informed by the Green Bay Packers, of course, because John Schneider comes from Green Bay. So a lot of his you know, kind of being conservative on this approach comes from that. But the the Packers and their Aaron Rodgers, do they look at the last 20 years and their conservative approach of just being consistent winning and saying, we never really went for it on any given year. They feel good about only having one Super Bowl win with Aaron Rodgers over a 20-year period or, or only one Super Bowl win with Brett Favre over a 15-year period or whatever they had him for. And and so I, I get where you're coming from completely, John. I wouldn't, I, I, I understand the folks who go, well, this is going to cost us. This is going to hurt down the line. And it will. And I acknowledge that. I think Brennan does too with it. We do just feel like it is a bit of the, the cost of doing business. It's just, it, it feels a bit like that now. It could be wrong. I just, it's starting to feel like yeah. as evolution wise, this is where it's going. Yeah. By the way, I just checked uh, Lane Johnson, 60, that's six zero million in void year hits <laughs> over a you better... three year period after his contract is up. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> They're going. They're going hard on it, I guess. They got that one last Jalen Hurts, probably rookie year deal they're trying to do here, Brendan, where they're trying to, or they're going to get, maybe they got the contract for Jalen coming. Maybe this oh, is to get the Jalen deal done at 50 million, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, I, God, they're going to draft Bijan Robinson and only have to throw the ball four times a game. Like, why oh, would I you know. pay a quarterback? I, I, yeah, I said the smart thing they should have done this offseason, Brendan, if I'm the Eagles and I really trust my process like Roseman should at this point, because you got into two Super Bowls on with two pretty different rosters over the past five years. Your process is pretty sound. If I was him, I move Hurts for a late first round pick if I can get it. I then move two first round picks to get up in the draft and get one of these quarterbacks up at the top. Maybe not the creme de la creme, but a guy that's functional. Like an, to me, an Anthony Richardson comes in there and like you said, I can have him execute their offense and what he does. He's got a good deep ball. Um, maybe he's not quite as ready to be as ready to go as Hertz is, but you know, you'd be fine versus paying again, Hertz 50, 55 million. That's the other side of this is that if you go, well, no, you can't do that. Well, you want to pay Hertz 50, 55 million dollars. I don't, you know, Oh, not even close. I don't at all, but no, John, you know, we're cool, man. You, all your support. And I appreciate where you're coming <laughs> from on and, and you're coming from a smart place as well. Um, and a place I'd love to still be operating from if I could, in my mind, I just feel like it, I can't, I feel like we don't get that opportunity anymore. It's just one of the, we don't have to do it every year, John, but I feel like one of these years when you choose, it's a year to go, like Brendan said, maybe it's next year you make that choice that that's the year to do it on. But on one of these years, you got to choose the go time, you know, now's our go time and put, put, put the stack in a little bit, but John, thank you for all your uh, support to the channel, man. I do appreciate you big time.
Uh, Mike McGee, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, Brandon, thanks again for covering the Sea Dragons. Ooh, Brandon going hard on the Sea Dragon coverage, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's just one video a week. Right? I'm not going to sit there and do a pregame video about the Dragons. Like, <laughs> what, what, what the heck do I know? I don't, I only watch the Dragons games. I'm not watching the other games. I don't know what these other teams are doing. Oh, uh, seriously. <laughs> Have you, uh, how was the games? And watch them. I haven't had a chance to check any they're, of them. They're out. starting to get better, man. I mean, like, there's there's been some really sloppy things. Like when Ben Ben DiNucci gets into the red zone, he just basically just throws up like a like like a Hail Mary. Like, like as soon as he gets pressured, he just like lobs it up there and he's like, Okay, who's ever the tallest can go get it. And he got Jordan on his team. Hey, he, they hate each other. Oh, they hate they? each other. Yeah, they don't like each other at all. That's not working at all. Like uh uh, in the uh, game, like a week and a half ago, he throws an interception where Josh Gordon runs the wrong route, and you can hear Danucci on the hot mic running off the field, like "Get that guy off the effing field." Jeez. He's just sick of him. So, um, that being said, he's got a nice arm. Actually, some of these throws, like they look like genuine NFL throws. Mm. So the offense is starting to click, and the pass rush has come alive. Man, I, I think this team might actually be uh, headed places after starting so slow. Nice. Nice. I'm gonna have to check a game out here, man. I just haven't gotten around to take a look at one, but uh, might have to take a take a check out. I'm, I hope this league grows. I really do. I'd love to see it have another alternative football league going on, and uh, especially for us at times the somewhat of the dead period that happens to be able to cover something else going on. So mm -hmm. it's cool to see. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Uh, appreciate you on the on the donation. Uh, John coming in again. We got John with another dono here. Let me get the. Thank you for the twenty dollar, thirty dollar donation, John. Thank you for the hundred dollar in donations tonight. You are awesome, man. I really do appreciate it. He says, last point: if you push cap hits to the future, saying future, you're saying this is the Super Bowl team. Do you think we have a Super Bowl team? It's a good question. Uh, it's a great question. Um, um, I'm going to let Brennan answer it first. I mean, I think that it could have been a Super Bowl team if you had done a little bit more, which you could have done with pushing cap hits to the future. Like, as of right now, and there's still time for this to change, of course, I think we have the worst defensive line in football. Even with the addition of Draymond Jones, I don't think that had a net impact that was that big because you also released so many guys. You lost so much on that defensive line that – as of right now, I think you have the worst defensive line in the league, and there's no way a team that has a defensive line this week can be considered a Super Bowl team, I don't think. They're going to have to hit the draft really hard in that particular area to make me believe that this is a Super Bowl team. But if you had played with things a little bit more and brought in, say, Zach Allen instead of Jaron Reed, or brought in Matt Ioannidis, who, by the way, is still mysteriously out there. I don't know what's going on there. Gunner. Then I would say yes, but as of right now, because the defensive line looks so bad and there's only one way left to address it, which is rookies, which is, you know, crapshoot kind of, uh, I would say no, but I think it could have been. Yeah, I, I pretty much am in agreement with Brendan on this one, John. I think there's also a little bit of two different things we're talking about here. We're talking a little bit about what the Seahawks have to do to get themselves under the cap right now. And then we're talking about pushing for it and going for a Super Bowl. 
And those are two different things because the converting of Quandary and Tyler's base to bonus in order to get yourself just under the cap, it's not really a go for it thing. That's just getting yourself just under with a couple of moves that teams make that's kind of small style, especially like Brendan said, when you look at the books and the numbers, the way that Seahawks run it, um, as opposed to other teams throughout the league, there is no dead money on their books. They're paying for everything on the front end. And if you look at John, most of the contracts given out throughout the course of this off season, it's one and two year deals. So they're paying the full multitude of the price this given off season on the front end. The Draymond Jones contract costs you $10 million in its first year, as opposed to the, the Hargrave signing with the Niners that cost them six and a half. You're almost paying double the money for Draymond Jones than the Niners are paying this year on your cap. So they've taken nothing in their approach this year, John, that's been about pushing the envelope this year, squeezing in more players in this cap like me and Brendan are advocating for when you decide to go for it. So we're not necessarily saying right now this is the year to go for it in that way. We're glad that they're pushing a little bit of the cap a little bit, but this is kind of small sauce compared to what we would say you would probably be doing or what Brendan's talking about doing if we really were looking from the start of this offseason to put the pedal to the metal and fit as much as we possibly could. We are advocating for a time and place for you to do that, right, Brendan? You're saying there is a time and place. It may not be right now, but like you said, next year, maybe the spot at that point where you're standing. So we're saying there comes a place where you got to make that call it's just not necessarily right now, but they could have, they've also could have chosen to do it this off season if they wanted to John, but that's not been their, yeah. uh, their approach. Yeah. I mean, look, you're not going to build a perfect roster. You're going to have problems. Like believe me, the chiefs had problems last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not about building the perfect roster. It's about building a roster that's good enough and then being hot at the end. Like we could have, we could have built a roster that was at least good enough to do that. Right. That's and that's where I would say with it, John. So yeah, I wouldn't say this year's Sue. You're right. You, it's a good point. It's not necessarily a Super Bowl team on the surface of it. And Brendan's reasoning on the defensive line being still the big weakness that was your big weakness last year sits the sits at maybe the forefront of that. But if they had gone in this offseason, they said, let's take Jermont Jones and we'll put him on a four-year deal, not a three-year deal. And we'll get his cap hit down to about six and a half million dollars. And then we're going to squeeze a couple of these other big contracts in here as well to get this done and more thoroughly round out this team, especially like Brendan said in regard to the defensive line. You could have pushed it that way. I'm, I'm okay that they didn't, John. We aren't saying that they should have to, but we're saying on the ne- on a given year where we find ourselves, we get to next year, the first, these second-year guys take their step forward. Lucas becomes a pro bowler. Cross becomes a pro bowler. Tariq Wollins, all-world at cornerback. Your young guys this year draft show the flashes that they're going to kick it in by year two as well then go for it 2024 engage move a little bit of that money down the line it doesn't have to be the eagles with the lane johnson move that brendan just talked about john where you're, you're taking that 60 million over three years we're not saying go crazy i'm not saying go rams crazy but i am saying john you got to go a little bit crazy you got to go a little wild i think you know you yeah. got to go just a, it, it's the if you really want to have that year to go for it you got to push a little bit more than just saying we trust our process we have a two and three year plan we're always want to remain consistent winners because i think that the downside here john is if you do land too hard in that realm of not you personally but if the team itself lands in that heart of being a consistent winning team and that rides through the day that ends up never having you on a given year where you push for it and you have a quarterback who's a kind of a hall of fame quarterback going through their prime and you don't have a given year where you really push for it and go for it like brendan talked about john with avoidable years we did the voidable years on that deal. You created $12 million in space with the voidable years a couple of years ago when you handed out those contracts for the first time and the only time really ever since. But Brendan, what happened? You left that space off the books at the end of the, through the year, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we both theorized that there was a plan to trade for somebody and then there was nobody to trade for, but maybe that was a bad idea. Maybe we should have understood that, Hey, there's an extra playoff spot now and teams are going to be more they, they want to hold on to their good players more. Yeah. Like there have been many times over the last five, six years where I thought, okay, the Eagles need to start blowing up 
their team and trading their good players like Jason Kelsey, like Lane Johnson. And they don't do it because they're like, hey, we are, I don't care how bad we are. They were the worst team in the league two years ago. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, time for them to blow it up. And they wouldn't do it because they were like, no, we're not that far away. We're terrible now, but we can get right. And I think yeah. a lot of teams look at things that way now because there's the extra playoff spot. Like, like right now we kind of see the Titans starting to blow it up, right? Mm-hmm. They're an example of a team that's decided, okay, we're just going to blow everything up, get rid of all our good players and try again in a couple years. But I think you see that less these days. Agreed. More people are feeling optimistic to your point on that, about where they stand and how they're where their team lies in the position, their team. So um, I wouldn't, we're not advocating do this every year, John, we're not advocating going hard this year. Even I, the moves we make this year with taking the quandary deal and the, and the locket deal and converting the bo- the base to bonus would only be just as simply as Brennan has talked about getting, getting us under the cap in the place we got to get to. Cause not only do we have to get under the cap to spend the money on the 16 million on uh, first round picks that we have kind of on the books, right? or not first round picks, but the picks in total that we have to spend out. We also need a $6 million in reserve fund. In addition to that, that they like to be carrying throughout the course of the season on top of it. So it's, it's really, that's different though, John, than what we're talking about, about the down the road when you pull that trigger and decide to go all in at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, thank you, John, though. I appreciate all the donations, man. And I, and do definitely appreciate where you're coming from on all this. It makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, I think there was one more, up there somewhere. The voodoo? Somebody was asking him. Yeah, okay, there we go. Okay. Voodoo, Magic, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, I can't believe it's opening day tomorrow. Any of you guys streaming a live play-by-play? Go M's. Mm-hmm. I, I might, but it's going to be super in- informal. It's going to be on my laptop. It's it's going to be like, like I'm going to be distracted during it, but I might do it just for fun. I'll definitely be live on my side. So uh, I'm going to plan on going live on opening day and do a, do a bunch of games on my side, Voodoo, on my Crow's Nest side, my channel over there. So uh, definitely uh, I will be doing it on my end for sure. So uh, maybe, maybe Brendan's a maybe, uh, and I, I will be a definitely a solid yes, I'll be on for 100%. I want to check out this crew. But you, are, we, are we getting to the, the World Series this year? Is it our year this year? Uh, um, hard for me to believe we passed the Astros yet. I'm, I'm not sure I'm there yet, but, um, what I'm excited about is having a lineup where I'm pretty confident. Nobody's going to be like that sub 80 OPS plus mm-hmm. where they're just like, they get up to the plate and you want to turn the channel. Like we're yeah. not going to have those guys anymore. Hopefully that, that to me is the thing that I think could make this season really special. I agree um, because the office, the offensive hole was where you were, you were held back so hard in recent years, last year, especially at times where you just, I mean, we held a playoff game with Houston where 18 innings, you just couldn't generate a single run. You just, you had guys in the lineup that just were, were nothing burgers. They gave you absolutely zero and they've done a good job of, you know, working on essentially the weak links in the lineups, those gaping holes and, and now kind of turning those around. And I, to, to me, the key on a world series run for me, Brennan comes down to kind of, a, and I wouldn't normally do this, but I think if you get a, impact bat out of jared kelnick this year mm-hmm. impact bat not the bat on a silver slurry but impact bat a teoscar hernandez equivalent to on his side of the field in the field Ooh, i think you can yeah. i think you can get him past at that point I, I think it might take that but i think you can get past that mighty astro crew if you can get him to kick in and become the guy we thought he was when we traded with him uh, i mean look at the York. end of the day and it's baseball you get to the playoffs and weird stuff happens you only need to win a few games in a row and suddenly that team that maybe you couldn't beat the whole regular season. Suddenly you just beat them and it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It just happened. It's a lot like football. You want to be a hot at the right time of year. And uh, that, that does include baseball as well. We saw last year, we had a little bit of a limping thing going on, right? 
You had Julio at the back. We, we learned afterwards that you had uh, Cal Raleigh with the finger, fractured finger mm-hmm. he was playing with for that time. Yeah. You know, Hannah, Hannah, uh, the Haggerty, Swags Haggerty. Was, yeah, Haggerty was out. I mean, yeah. Hanniger was completely useless. I think the injuries kind of – yeah. he was trying to play because he was trying to get that contract. Yeah. But he really wasn't effective. No. So it's I, – I got hope today, Voodoo. I got I hope they can do it this year. And they got a good ball club. They're doing it right, which is the best part, is that this team's going to be good for a very, very long period of time to come. Well, maybe we should uh, eventually here now, I guess we, as me and Brennan got through the opening topics here at the start of the channel, mere 50 minutes in, uh, we're going to break this into looking and talking about a little bit of this fifth overall pick here, Brendan. We, uh, this is, is it, is it overstating it to say this is the most important pick in franchise history? Am I being too? Um, I mean, maybe, maybe we, we picked higher before, right? We picked we higher before, but it, it, it feels like, especially with the way the roster is set up, this is kind of a big deal because we've really established ourselves. And I've said this before, and you, you, we don't really like to be in this position. You never want to be in this position, but you've kind of set it up where you're pretty good or better at every position, except on the defensive line where you are destitute. Mm-hmm. I consider us to be destitute on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a way to address that need well enough with rookies, you've got a very well-rounded team that has a chance to win every game and should be able to win a lot of games next year. Maybe they're not going to win the Super Bowl, but they're going to be on the right track. Absolutely. They're going to be on the right track. And um, I think with the the fifth round pick sit, sitting as sort of the crown jewel, it'd be one thing if you had a fifth round pick and no second or no third, and then, but have the two seconds and then another first that there, there's so much ammunition in this draft to push this team um, in a forward capacity. And this fifth round pick, we're going to go in kind of all different directions here, Brendan. Let's kind of pull this apart bit by bit before we get to kind of the individual players in this pick at the forefront. And let's, at, at the, this is something you and I have been asked about a couple of times. So let's take this and throw this one out the window right from the start. And, and one of the possibilities at five here, that being the trade up scenario yeah. there. Yeah. We're, we're not trading up. There's, when, it's uh, not happening. Yeah. Like, and if it does, even if it does happen, it's so unlikely from our perspective right now, it's just a waste of time to talk about it. I think. Agree. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but I'm sure I want to just bring it up because I know it'd be something to be measured. We're not trading up. Schneider's never traded up in a first round. He's not with the fifth overall pick in this draft. Yeah. Um, and as we get into the pick here, do you do you have a feeling right now that this doesn't include what you'd like to do personally, but do you have a feeling right now what you think Schneider's leaning towards doing with the pick in general terms, being either to pick or to trade back? Um. Well, I mean, I hope that they're going into things with an open mind. Mm -hmm. I hope they're going to get to the day of and then figure things out. Because I remember in 2019, we traded down. That was the, uh, I think, eventually the LJ Collier pick. Right. We traded down. We had a chance to take Montez Sweat. We traded down. The trade down we got was awful. Like, we got no value for trading down. I can't remember exactly what it was. But immediately I remember, because I was not able to watch the draft, I was falling on my phone, my Twitter blew up with people like, oh, I can't believe the Seahawks traded down that many spots and they only got back, like, what was it, two fifth-round picks? Something it was, really It wasn't like good. That. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was bad. And I think, or at least I hope, they learned from that. Like, don't trade down just because it's what you want to do. Trade down because the opportunity is there. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think that's going to happen here because there should be a really high-value quarterback at number five, that somebody's going to want to give up a lot to go get. But if the right trade isn't there, then don't do it. 
this is an opportunity for you to maybe really like fleece a team to really hurt a team in the trade up because they're going to be like, oh man, we need that quarterback. We need that quarterback. We need that quarterback. Okay. Just give them whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be robbed of that opportunity if you are going to trade back. So I'm hoping that right now he has a very open mind about things. And don't you think there's a good chance that being that there's not one particular team that's looking to maybe move up, that there'll be maybe two, three, four teams that are kind of now in a little bit of a bidding war at that point for that final quarterback, that that might allow you to get that return if you do make that trade. Yeah, I've actually got three hypothetical trades written down here Mm -hmm. that match up fairly well in value. We win the trade, but we should win the trade. We're the team trading down. Right? No, like yeah. that, that, that's how it's, it's supposed to work. Look, it's look about, at what the Niners yeah. gave up to get Trey Lance. Yeah, it's a seller's paradise. It always works out for better for the seller team, or that you know, that you're gonna that's the cost of it. So yeah. right. So like you could trade down with the Raiders, move down just two picks. I don't think you would get a huge return there. Mm-hmm. I said maybe like a third rounder and a fourth rounder, maybe. Yeah. But that would be a modest win for you. So maybe you're just saying, okay, we move down two picks, still get a really fun defensive player. And we pick up the extra third, maybe an extra fourth or fifth. Um, I have a maybe trading down with Atlanta, and I think you could get their second round pick out of them. Mm-hmm. Like again, it, it's a lot to give up, but if they want QBX and he's sitting there and they don't really like Desmond Ritter that much, and I don't feel like they do, I don't know. Um they say he's gonna start. I read it today. They say he's the they say they seem well, another team though that's just laying in the weeds for the Lamar thing to maybe them and the Colts are my two. Them, the Colts, and the Commanders are the two weed layers on uh, Lamar. Yeah, Lamar is going to be the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons quarterback next year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so I said Atlanta gives up their first rounder plus their second rounder. That would be a little bit of a slanted trade in terms of raw value, but that's what I think it could take potentially. Because as you can see, I mean, people keep saying, oh, did you see all the selfies the Seahawks are taking with all these quarterbacks? Like they did Levis, they did... I think they're going to do Richardson. They did Young. They did Stroud. Like It's very clear to me they're doing that because they want people to think they might take a quarterback, not necessarily because they really want to take a quarterback. Yeah, agreed. I agreed. I think that it's absolutely got more smokescreen to it than so, this. You know, we these are the guys we're really loving. So, and you want them. You want them to think you're loving those if you want them to trade up. That's how you got to create that hunger out there. But you're right. I don't think you're being overstating it now with the Atlanta deal. Because of Brent Brennan, it's not about just Atlanta wanting the pick, Seattle being willing to trade the pick. It's about the other teams that are also on the phone with Schneider saying, hey, we like the pick too. You know, we we want to get on on this. Right. And the final trade that makes sense to me would be giving up number five, go to Tennessee for 11 and their first round pick next year. Like those are three very simple trades, but they're the trades that make the most sense to me because – with the way the money is, we're not getting a player back in the trade. Just understand that, right? I know a lot of people have been like Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Derek Henry, uh, uh, you know, something like that. It, it's not going to happen. It's not happening. No, no, the contracts wouldn't offset. Uh, let me give you one more, and then let me figure out from you which of those is the one that you'd favor most from a trade back scenario. Let's do the big trade back. Let's go back to Crazy Town, Dan Schneider, Camanderos. Let's go 16. Um, I did this in my most recent mock, got a little bit of blowback from some of the fans in the chat from me saying it's too big of a drop, too big of a drop. You can't go back that far. I think you can pull off though, then a little bit more of the magical hall of a potentially to me, like three first round picks. Maybe you give up a future third to get a little bit of an offset in the language, so to speak on that deal. But uh, what do you think of those deals that we talk about? The short drop, the, the medium drop, 
the deep drop, what what would be the most tantalizing to you of those options? I'm not crazy about getting future picks in a year when you're supposedly going for it, which I feel like we are. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, that's what you're saying when you bring back Geno like this. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the Titans trade and the Washington trade that I like is I think both those teams are probably going to be pretty bad for at least the next year. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Tennessee, they're blowing it up. If they, I think they would be stupid to give up their first round next year because they're blowing it up this year. But mm-hmm. if they wanted to, I would be all over that. Washington, look, let's say you trade the pick to Washington and they take Anthony Richardson. That's a guy who you know is not going to give you anything that first year, right? Like we can mm-hmm. all pretty much agree on that, even if you like yeah. him. Yeah, agree. He might not give you anything in the second year. Yeah. I think that's very reasonable. So they're going to be a team quarterbacked by who is it? Jacoby Brissett. In the in that in the NFC East, yeah. By the way, too, in an NFC East that's led, I mean, that's why I keep locking on Commanders. Where if I'm Schneider, even though it's a deep drop, even though it's painful and it hurts, you go wait, hold on though. Really tough division, team that's not necessarily close. Rocking a rookie quarterback and then a second year quarterback next year. These two years that I have the proverbial first round picks up. To me, there's such a great chance that those turn into top tens, if not even higher than that, maybe if things really break in your favor. Um, and I love that risk, even though I know it's a big drop at that point. You're right. All the points you made about being in for this year and all that. And the people that blew back on me, I get it on their, on their, you know, no, that's too far. Not in this year. You need, but I just kept coming back to Brendan. The guy that I was going to get at, let's say the Titans pick, you've run mocks, is the guy that I get at the Titans pick that vastly superior and better and more talented as a player. Versus the player that I'm getting at number 16. Uh, it depends on how the draft goes. And I, I got to say, I think there's a lot of mystery around how that area of the draft is going to go. So I'd be pretty down with it because it feels like it's a little bit of a car wreck in there. It feels like a traffic jam with those picks. Right. I don't right. feel like any one of those guys is necessarily hugely better than any of the others. That's my standpoint with this is I just feel like it's a big tier two range and the tier two group has guys at the top and guys at the bottom. Admittedly, they're not all equal, equally, you know, projected out to who they are as a pro and where they're going, but you are all, you are kind of picking all in the same basket at that point to me a little bit. And if it means I come out of this with two future first round picks and I don't lose the one option of still picking from that same basket this year, it kind of feels like, well, the value is a little bit then dealing. It, you just got to deal with the value of this draft a little bit. It is what it is. We don't have a strong tier one group and the tier two group is got some good players on it, but they all kind of fall into some equal fashion and their footing and where they go and what they're going to be as pros. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably pretty fair. I mean, I still don't have a perfect handle on how even the top of the draft is going to go. I think I know what's going to happen, Agreed. but it, it's not like the Trevor Lawrence draft where you knew. Like you could show up to that draft 15 minutes late and you knew what was going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, there's three things mainly right now, just on the surface of this that are packing it beyond Brendan, what you're kind of intimating about, which is the the lack of consensus on where guys should be going in this draft. You get a Lucas Van Ness that's in some people's top seven and other people barely making it in the first round on the fringe side of it. But then you've also have the Lamar Jackson bomb, which is waiting to explode somewhere, right? He's going somewhere some some point this offseason. I know you mentioned Sea Dragons, but I think some NFL team is going to have him on the roster when it's all said and done. The Aaron Rodgers trade and what draft yeah. capital you know gets impacted by that as well on the other side of it. So we don't quite know where that's really going to – and then the Cardinals and what they choose to do at the top. Those the things are really going to drive a lot of what happens through this first round, even around our number five pick. <laughs> yeah. Especially around. Things are not set in stone. Not at all. No. No, they're not. Um, 
well, let's look at let's look at uh, some of the players that we've got here that we that that are potential guys that are our targets. Like you say, there's a huge variance here, so we've got a decent little list to go through of guys yeah. who are possible here. Um, and it's a good and bad. They're really exciting prospects, right? But then there also is a little bit more of the questions, fair to say, than you would normally see for number five overall picks in the draft, right? So what I did, I compiled a list of every player that has at some point over the last several months appeared on NFL mock draft databases, top 20 in their big board. And what NFL mock draft database is, is it's an aggregate website where they take big boards from all over the internet and mush them together into one. Mm -hmm. So basically they're going to try to arrive at the overall consensus. It's not going to be perfect, but they're trying. And I really like what they're doing here. I think it's actually a really cool system that they use. Yeah. Because you look at some big boards, even from big sites like Yahoo or ESPN, and then you look at a big board on like PFF, and you won't know what to think sometimes. Sometimes they have one prospect, one has them in like the 40s, and another has them in like the 200s. So yeah. the aggregate, I really like. It's been proven in the past, if I'm not mistaken, the aggregate boards in the past, when it's come to the actual draft day, and like who gets it right the aggregate boards get it more right than in in than more than any individual entity that you just talked about. Is that is that also the case in the early drafts right. and how that breaks down? Right. Yeah, I think that's probably true. The issue with the aggregate board is that they can get they're a little slow to update. Like mm -hmm. if a player who was projected to be in the top 10 gets all, like like, you know, just has a disastrous pro day or does something illegal and gets arrested or something like that, that kills his stock, an individual big board can just whoop, dump him all the way down and it's over. But the aggregate big board is going to slowly move him down over time because it's taking in all this data over time, right? Mm -hmm. That's the main issue with it. But generally speaking, I think the aggregate big board does really well. So the list of players that we're going to go through is actually 30 players. Some of them we're going to get through really quickly because the answer is going to be obvious, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. But basically what I'm looking for with these three guys is, I'm sorry, 30 guys, is your reaction if the Seahawks were to take that player at number five? Would it be yay, like you're really happy, you're excited? Or meh, which is like, eh, it's okay, I guess. Like, I don't hate it, but I'm not, you know. Mm -hmm. And then there's just hell no, which is like, I'm, I'm turning my stream off. I'm hell to the no, channel. no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got you. Right. So before we start, I do have one question, one general question that's going to be very important before we go into this. What is your position personally on the Seahawks drafting a quarterback in number five overall in this draft? Well, I'm I'm obviously young is the guy that I put out. I'm you know with me, I'm a not a young guy for not for necessarily his he is as a quarterback. I just don't want to draft a guy I can't trust to hold up, and I don't think I can trust him to hold up. Um, now I'm talking about Richardson or Levis in on that spot. I, I, I would support it. It's obviously not ideal and it's not at the front of the stack of choices of what I'd want to select here, Brendan. But at the same point in time, I think the people that make the point and raise the point of saying, you're never going to be back in the top five anytime soon, most likely. Um, you're not going to be in the top five in a position to pick a quarterback who's worthy of being selected in that spot anytime soon. And Geno Smith is 32 years old, going to be 33 here in October. So you have a one-year contract with Drew Locke. You don't have a multi-year deal with him. You, you, you don't have a future at the position necessarily. Even Geno's on only a three-year deal at the end of the day. 
So while it's not what I would want to necessarily do, I would certainly support the move absent it being Bryce Young because of the fact that I, I I like these guys at the top and I trust in them as players down the road, especially with a guy like Coach Carroll, especially with all that they're going to have to work with around them into the future. Yeah, I'd be on board with it. So when I say the name of some quarterbacks here, you're not just going to throw it out. You're you're going to no. okay. Um, it's going to be hard for me to be enthusiastic about any quarterback at this point because you have brought back Gino on a very reasonable contract, and even though I don't think this contract is going to amount to anything, you did bring back Drew Locke. There has to be some reason why you did that. It's it's completely valid, Brendan. Because keep in mind as well with that, then you have this money you're spending on Drew, Gino Smith, the four million dollars you're spending on Drew Locke. And then what does the fifth overall pick make this next year? Like $10 million or something like that is what they cost on top of it. A little this. bit less, a little bit little less, bit, I think, bit less, but, but somewhere around there. You're still, you're getting, you're getting up there, right? And then you're like, okay, so we, we aren't really getting a discount at the quarterback position has cost, you know, but we only get one player who can play out on the field at any one given time. Um, yeah, it's, it's one that I can understand some reticence on that one. It would make a lot of sense to say this is, I'm, I'm okay with it, but I don't, I'm not as excited by this if it's player A, B, C, D. Yeah, so I could see myself being like a meh on a quarterback. I could definitely, like, I'll say this. If we take a certain quarterback here, I'll definitely be like, I really like the player. I just don't love it in this situation. But I like the player enough to where there's no way I can say I hate this pick. So I'm not completely turned off to the idea of a quarterback yet. But I'm most of the way there. I will say that. Well, can I say to maybe fill in the blanks a little bit of this, Brendan, from your standpoint, I think it's the same place as me on this. You look at the quarterbacks in this class and they're very talented and they're worthy of being taken in the top five to varying levels and degrees, depending on your opinion of them. But we aren't seeing a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes or a Caleb Williams coming out of the crew. And I think you land where I land on this a little bit more of if you're not in that talented range of things, you're more now down over here a little bit. Still good, still good, but not quite over here. Well, now it's more about the team built up around you and your success. And if we're taking the guy at five overall, you would probably, correct me if I'm wrong, more like to have the guy that is a guy I'm hopefully fitting into a mold of like a Burrow or a, or a Mahomes or a Herbert type that has that kind of level of difference making talent to the position. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, it, again, it depends on which quarterback it is. My thing is the Geno contract is so good. I'm pretty confident he's going to be here for the next two years, unless he falls on his face this year. Yeah. So you're looking at drafting a quarterback and then having him get splinters in his butt for two years. Like to me, I like, I can only be so enthusiastic about that scenario. It's understandable. It's completely understandable. It's there. I wouldn't want to walk. I mean, I, if people are a little bit anti it, I get it. I just do the, the, the resonating in my mind is that, you aren't going to be here. You aren't going to have the opportunity to get a guy here anytime soon. You know, and that's, that is a valid to me, uh, even though I'm not, that's not at plan A. It's, it, it is a valid, I think, argument on this a bit. Okay. So with that being said, uh, what's your reaction? Seahawks, number five, they take CJ Stroud. Yay, meh, or nay? Yay. I think that he's uh, got some shades of Joe Montana to his game the more I watch him. And um, his accuracy, his throwing with anticipation, his arm strength, it all works really well together. I, I still think even on his pro day, Brendan, he had some stuff showing up on his pro day where he was trying to throw on the run. And it was, you know, it's it's just not what he does. That's not his game. But it doesn't have to be. And not in this offense and not on this team. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm, sign me up. Yeah, that's the one I would be okay with. 
because CJ Stroud's really young, so him sitting for a couple years might be good. First of all, like really, really young. He's not super raw or anything, but I could see him sitting for a couple years and that benefiting him. And I really like him. I I think he's awesome. So I do too. He's my number one okay quarterback in this draft right now. Right, and you already said you would be a hell to the no on Bryce Young, right? I I just don't. Yes, I I, I like what's. Uh, I, I honestly, I feel like, I just feel like some people have gone a little over the top with him, honestly, on some of the film and what I hear about him. I, I'm just not in that same realm as other people are and what they they took away from the film. It's like arm strength with him. It's like, yeah, he'll get the arm down there at times when it's on deeper throws, but there's like a buildup on the throw that nobody talks about really with him. It's not a windup even, Brendan. It's like that whole thing of when you're 5'10 and 180 pounds, you have to use every muscle fiber in your body to work up to get the throw off when you're trying to push it deep, not short, not, not on the like little short, you know, comeback routes and, and curls and whatnot. I'm talking post route 25 yards down the field on the line. There's a little bit of a, I, I just, and then the hold up with the size thing. I just don't think a guy at 190 pounds, you know, I don't care what he weighed at 205, you know, he's 190 pounds game day. I don't think that's going to hold up yeah. at the quarterback position long term. You know, we got there with a lot of Waffle House right before the. Oh, he was, he had two jugs of water, Brennan, and it was like, oh, 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 and then he's like, went with the next one, came in there, his belly was like this, you know, no pictures, yeah. no pictures. Remember Toby McGuire and Seabiscuit? He kept having to make himself throw up so he can make weight for the jockey because he was a jockey. Oh, I didn't. No, I, for, I, I saw it. It's been a long time ago. Yeah, it's the opposite of that. It's the opposite of that. He's like, you know, you got to make weight the other way. Yeah. I, if I, the Seahawks needed a quarterback, like let's say Geno had gone to another team and signed a free agency deal or we traded him, mm -hmm. where would you be on Bryce Young, meh or nay? I'd still be on nay because I think that he's going to get broken up. I think he's going to get thrown around and ragdolled. It's It's – it's like with two, it's just, it's, there, there comes a size that you are that like you have three, 300 pound, very strong man throwing you around. It, it's Jalen Carter picking up that kid in college by one arm and going, <laughs> and it's like, these guys are so big. It, it comes to a point of like, if you don't have enough size on you to hold up, you're going to get busted. I mean, the, the, the two a hit that the one guy did last year on him where he had the, the, the finger thing go like this. It wasn't a huge hit. It wasn't like he just got blindsided. That was dirty. And like the guy twists him around, sets him down on the, on the ground. And, and it's, and, and I just think, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of that that you're going to have to deal with on Bryce. And I don't want to do it. I don't want to take that risk. Not for the fifth overall pick. Uh, Will Levis, yay, meh, or nay? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ron uh, Burgundy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, he's tough. He's so tough to as an evaluation, Brendan. And you know, he's the kid's got the strongest arm in the draft. Uh, he's got the mobility. He's got a lot of what if you draw it up in the in the in the lab, what you're looking for at the quarterback position. He's got it. Um, but another risk another risk that you can you clean that up and and a guy that i'm a little less in favor of brendan with the fact he's 24 and that this yeah. is a pick you make if you trade gino really this is the ideal pick because he's played in the offense that's the ram base offense that we operate in he's 24 you have him play early to have that guy sit at 24 and be like well once he's 26 we'll eventually 26 27 we'll we'll trot him out there and have him start to start then yeah um you know i don't care what anybody says if we didn't have gino if gino had been traded I would have been a yay on Levis all day. Like, mm -hmm. I, I still believe in him. I still like him. I am 100% a believer in Will Levis. 
But for me, he's an A because I can't be taking a 24-year-old quarterback with Gino on that deal that's so good. There's very little chance we move off him for the next two years. So I'm a nay in this situation, but I still believe in the player. Well, you converted me. I'll, I'm going, I'm changing my response to nay because I wasn't, I wasn't convicted enough in my response initially there. So I got to move my, my spot on that one, man. If um, we didn't have Gino, where would you be? I'd be all over him then at that point. Yeah. You're right. I, I, I'm with you on that one all the way down the line because his mm -hmm. having him with his fit in this offense, having already played the offense, and I do feel like he's going to be a better pro than he was in college because he's not going to be restricted as much. It's it's mm -hmm. him running with the old parachute on his back, right? And now you clip the parachute off his back, and now he just gets to run free. And it's like, it, wow, I, I'm, not, I'm not under pressure after a second and a half in the pocket. This is amazing. My guys catch the ball. This is mm -hmm. wonderful. Uh, Anthony Richardson. Uh, we got a little, let me get a dono here real quick oh, okay. on this. Uh, Charles Gervasi, thank you for the $10 donation, Charles. He says, Ian Gervasi loves this channel. His parents understood some of it. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Charles and shout out to you, Ian, for, uh, your love of the channel out there. Appreciate you, Charles on the donation, man. All, all, uh, all the support. Thank you so much, man. Mm -hmm. Hope you're having a good one out there uh, to the Gervasi yeah. family. And I hope I pronounced that name correctly. Yeah. yeah hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, uh, as long as we get partial understanding, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it's the attempt on these kind of things, right? It's the attempt on the last names, Brendan, more than it's the, the landing of the success. But appreciate you, Charles, and you too, Ian. Hope you guys are having a great night. Uh, Thaddeus Sexton with a $5 dono says, if you were John, would you trade back into the teens and take Nolan Smith at 20, take Kalijah Cansey, and our round in our second rounders take Benton, Keanu Benton and Downs. So would you trade back into the teens and we would go with Nolan Smith and then Cansey and then Benton and Downs? I'll let you take this one first, Brendan. Um, I'd wonder what we get for trading back into the teens. If you're saying it's like that Washington trade, mm -hmm. that's pretty agreeable, man, because I do like Cansey and we'll talk about him later in this video. I do like Cansey a lot. Um, I would probably do that if you're making that Washington trade that you were proposing, the two future firsts. Mm -hmm. That's uh, I think that's about right value at that point. And um, I, I guess I'd be honest too. Have you had a chance to look at Josh Downs out of UNC yet? Uh, I've looked at him just a little bit. Um, there are a lot of receivers in that area of the draft mm -hmm. yeah. that are like, I'm trying to figure out which ones I like the most. Like I like Marvin Mims. I know that, but I need to sort things out beyond that. Like there's Josh Downs, there's Rasheed Rice, there's uh, Nathaniel Dell there's uh the lsu guy Boute. Mm -hmm. okay Sean there's Boutet. a lot of guys in that range I'm, I'm sorting it out right now because i'm starting my receiver reviews tomorrow yeah i i would be okay thaddeus with some of it i mean honestly if you're talking about trading back in the teens i'd like to go more of a combination of brian breezy kalijah cansey if we're going with cansey and go double up that i i feel like no one's getting dropped pushed up a little bit up the boards here because of the, the workout combine warrior stuff I don't like overdrafting guys because of that. And I feel like he's going to be a little overdrafted because of that, because of that pedigree that he's bringing into it with the, with, with how insane, like the four, three, nine, 40 in that. Keanu Benton's great. He is my number two zero tech in this draft behind Mazze Smith. Um, and Downs just had an insane pro day with his short shuttle three cone stuff. He was absolutely, I guess, lightning out there. Some pros were scouts were like, that's the most fluid three cone I've ever seen in my life. So I don't, I don't know if it's the case or not. I'm still with you though. I'm more of a, you're talking about slot. He's a slot only guy. So if you're talking about slot extraordinary, I'd go more for the Marvin Mims over downs, but downs has got a lot of believers out there and he's probably pushing himself 
bit by bit getting closer into that second round territory here where it stands. So um, I, I, I'd be okay with it overall, Thaddeus. Downs is a slot guy. You need a slot. So he would fit to a need. He's not going to play on the outside, but he'd be a very dynamic slot. And uh, Cansey and Benton, that's a good combination on that line at that point. I don't think they're league worst at that point anymore, Brendan, if they get those two guys. Yeah, probably. I think that's fair. I'm, uh, I'd be excited for that. Thank you, though, uh, Thaddeus, for the uh, donation. And sorry to interrupt you there, Brendan. I just want to make sure I'm staying on no top problem. of those. Not a problem. Go ahead. And uh, what was that? Oh, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Anthony Richardson. Yay, meh, or nay. I would be a yay on Anthony Richardson. Um, I, I think that he does need to sit a couple of years. So in drafting Anthony Richardson, and you talked about Geno Smith probably being here for the next two years because of his contract, which you're, you're right about that. I believe that is going to be the case. You can more afford to do that with this guy. And this is a guy that I've said for a very long period of time, Brendan, if you're going to go and do the price, the, the, the price of doing business with Anthony Richardson is to wait, is to not try to throw him out there and turn him into a Jalen Hurts or a Daniel Jones kind of quarterback where he's running something kitschy and you're just having him trying to lean into what he is or Lamar Jackson, develop him, let him continue to take steps forward in his development because the, the narrative out there, Brendan, is that he's this really rough quarterback with no refinement and he flashes the refinement. He shows you the ability to do that stuff that you want to see from a quarterback, subtle pocket movement and, and being able to um, at times even like layer a throw in there at times. It's just about him getting more crisp, with his mechanics and his delivery. So he's more now with the accuracy issues, getting that cleaned up on the back end of it. That will come with time. In my opinion, that will come with time. Um, so, you know, if you were to want to wait on him for a couple of years, that makes sense to me. And I'm a yay. Yeah. I'm personally a meh on it. I, I agree with everything you said. It's just, again, my ceiling on a quarterback pick at five can only go so high. Like it makes sense, right? Because he's going to need two years. You have two years to give him. He's the most talented quarterback to ever go through the combine. Probably he had terrible receivers in, uh, in, in at Florida. Like, like people have been talking about this lately. His receivers, I think dropped like 12% of his catchable balls or something. 60 His adjustable. His adjusted completion percentage for the catch. The drops was 64%. Everybody's caught up in that 53 to your point on this, Brendan, right? That's what that's factoring in is. So his adjusted completion percentage for Anthony Richardson is actually 64%. Um, basing in those drops and whatnot. Right. So, yeah, I would be a med there. But, um, yeah, that's it for the quarterbacks. Like, who's QB5? Hendon Hooker? I guess. Uh, according to Mike Lombardi, that's who we're picking at number five, Brendan. Well, uh, you know, people were asking me about that last night on Twitch. And what I said was basically, look, there are going to be really bad mock drafts. Last year, there was a mock draft that had us trading up from nine to four and taking Matt Coral from oh, CBS. So I, it's going to happen. But when it's Pete Prisco doing it versus a former NFL general manager, I mean, Lombardi just looks like an idiot on this to me. I, you were GM in the league. <laughs> Somebody paid you to do personnel decisions. You got Hendon Hooker going five. Well, you know. he got fired, right? I mean, oh, that's true. <laughs> He's no longer <laughs> a general was manager. He the guy who took a, was he the Zach Wilson guy? Or was he? No, Zach no, Wilson? no, no. Um, Zach Wilson was, well, Zach Wilson's Douglas, isn't he? Douglas is right. The so Lombardi was the guy there when they were. Um, did he take Hackenberg? God damn, are, I'm trying to think of who they took. That might be right. I get uh, his. I get him confused with another guy there. So um, I think was he there with the with the Mark Sanchez time and all that. Um, let me see here. Okay, this must be. I'm I'm not sure. I I, I can't seem to find it here. I can't find his. Uh, 
his he uh, sucks page. it don't matter he just sucks that's the bottom yeah. line on that one i mean that's just it's it's a silly mock and yeah head and hooker is great brendan third round he's 26 yeah. 27 years old he's coming off a torn acl um he didn't play in a pro style offense coming out so he's not necessarily like levis where it's like well he's been under center doing that stuff he, he's made pro throws but that there's a difference between the two so now third and and i i can't get on board with with uh mckee the stanford mm -hmm. kid i just can't do yeah. it yeah, I mean, certainly not at five. Maybe no. not at any point for McKee, but um, so we've all that's already two yays, by the way. And the idea behind this exercise is we want to find five yays, which guarantees that there will be at least one player we're really excited about when our pick comes, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing to remember is Will Levis, who you were a nay to, you would have been a yay on if you needed a quarterback. I think there's a very good chance Levis has gone in those first four picks. So agreed. That's yeah. somebody he's going to push somebody else to you, maybe. So keep that in mind. It's ideal, kind of like the ideal scenario for us is getting four quarterbacks taken the first four. Then it then it becomes yep. really exciting. Oh yeah. Um, okay, moving on to our next position. There is one running back in this class that has been floating around the top twenty basically this whole time. He's peaked at number two. There was one point where the aggregate mock draft big board had him at number two. It's Bijan. Mm -hmm. Seahawks take Bijan Robinson at number five overall in this draft. He, are you yay? Are you meh? Are you nay? I, I I'll go nay. It's too high for a running back in this day and age. Yeah, I I agree. I would be a meh if it was last year. Last year, when our running backs were Chris Carson, who was about to retire, Rashad Penny, who had never been able to string together extended periods of success, and then Homer in Dallas. If we had taken Bijan at five last year with that running back group, I would have been okay. Yeah. But this year with K9, I'm like, we already have a bell cow back. I don't need to go that crazy. And also there's about 13 or 14 running backs that should go somewhere between the second round to the fourth round that are all pretty quality guys that could be a very fine backup for uh, Kenneth Walker at that point. Uh, it's the It's at least the second or third strongest positional group in this draft. So to me, that means there's a little bit less of a need to then draw for the top of the stack at that point, even though I do love Bijan and there's a part of me that's yeah. drifted towards saying, yeah, because I think he could do some slot stuff for you. Yeah. Would your position change if we didn't have K9? If like we, yeah. we, we didn't have him, would you then be a yay or a meh or how would you feel about that then? I'd be, uh, I'd probably be a, I'd probably be a yay, actually, because you're getting Ladanian Tomlinson, I think, at the end of the day. Um, now, I, I get Ladanian Tomlinson. I have to put him in there to split the carries. That's different than going out there and he's getting 200, 200 250 touches a year now for me in the offense. Um, if I knew that we could put him out the slot, and my my instinct on this, Brennan, is I'd be a yay as well. If the coaching staff could tell me that what they saw on the tape is what I think I've seen on the tape with him, which is that he could be a slot receiver in this league. He could be what a Christian McCaffrey was viewed as when he came out. Like if this guy wanted to just go be a wide receiver and take wide receiver set, like he could excel at that. If I get a guy that's going to be a slot receiver and he's my backup running back, a two for one with the situation, that would also um, inform me a little bit separately. I just don't have the confidence that because I'm making a guess on that and that's not being built on anything with any backing. Yeah. Um, I would be a meh on Bijan. There's no way you're getting me to a yay with a running back. It's like against my religion. That, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I certainly wouldn't argue against that strenuously. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Wide receiver. There are four wide receivers that have peaked at 20 or higher on the aggregate board over the last several months. I don't think any of them at this point 
are particularly appetizing at five, though. So this will be quick. The four guys are Jackson Smith, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, and Jalen Hyatt. I'm assuming you would not be interested in any of them at five. All those would be a nay for me. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to Quentin Johnston, by the way? I feel like he just like dropped off the face of the earth. He was the number one receiver by far for a while. He didn't test. Um, yeah. And, you know, he's very dynamic on film, but he's also a body catcher and he doesn't, he's a creative route runner. So, you know, you got a guy goes like, let me, you run it, run an in cutting route, Brennan. And, you know, you go up the field like this and then you cut in like this. And what he'll try to do is he'll run up the field like this and he'll do this little like, bounce move come around the corner like if the corner's right here he'll bounce around and then come around so he employs these real creative things that aren't him putting the whereas you know you'd like to see the guy running full speed and then he cuts to an out route maintaining the speed and not seeming to slow down and, and not showing any sign that he's going to do it so he's really kind of unusual as a receiver he's a yak guy but he's six four brendan like when do we see that yeah. you know like it's he makes it harder to kind of evaluate him and then he didn't do anything at the combine he didn't run, a, didn't run anything, didn't do anything. I don't even know if he's on a pro day yet. So, I don't think and, he has. And people are probably worried a little bit of, does, is he going to run a 4-5-5? Five, five? Is he going to run a 4-6 in his pro day? Is he hiding something? Is that why we haven't seen the scores yet? Maybe. Uh, who do you think is the best receiver in this class, by the way? just Well, um, yeah, that's a hard question to answer uh, because of the fact that it, is it about – is it about the, I mean, with Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's a slot only guy. I don't think he's playing on the outside. So yeah, how much does that I impact get, his value? Yeah. I bring that up sometimes and people get so mad at me. They don't want to hear it. They love, a lot of Seahawks fans love Jackson Smith and Higba. I don't know why they can get mad at you because the, if you go to three wide receiver sets, that's less two tight end sets. If you go to three wide receiver sets, that means that's a commitment in the way that you run offensively speaking. And usually if you're going to run three wide receiver sets, like back in the day when we ran it with Holmgren here, where, where Bobby Ingram was essentially a, defa a default starter for you out of the slot and a tremendous one at that. But that meant more of a commitment to three wide receiver sets at times. And that meant you were a little bit more pass happy at that point. Now, if we're willing to commit to that, that'd be great. But Brendan, you and I both know that that's not usually been a coach Carroll idiom that he operates yeah. off of he wants balance and if he wants balance he's going to want his tight ends and this team is if anything brendan over the last couple of years leaned more to the tight end looks the two tight end looks the three tight end looks more than they've leaned to the three wide receiver sets so if it's a commitment thing and they're willing to do it I, i'm okay with it but i i have a hard time like you do with running backs i'm, I'm this you might find me we might talking a show a couple of years from now where i fully become on board with this but i'm having a hard time still selling myself fully on drafting a slot only guy in the first round. I, I, it, it's hard for me to pull, make some peace with that one a little bit in my mind. How about you? Well, I mean, how would you feel if you were a Rams fan and you knew your team ran three wide receivers literally yeah. 97% of the time? You would do it then, right? A top five? I, I mean, first round, first round. Oh, first round. Yeah. First round, then I would do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, but even with that one, there's, there's some worry with that though, too, because he doesn't quite fit. Like, I don't think he's going to do as much that bubble screen fly sweep stuff that they tend to like out of their receivers running through that formation. So like, he's, he's really like a, if it makes sense, like a finesse slot to me, you know, mm -hmm. a great finesse slot, a guy that's, he's great as a catcher and, and maybe the best pure receiver in this draft. But to me, a, a guy that can play on the outside is always going to derive a little more value than just the guy that I only can put on the in in the slot. So if I had to be a you know who's your who's your best guy in the draft, then um, yeah, I mean, I, when I ask that question, I mean objectively, not for this particular team. 
Like um, objectively speaking, in with the way the NFL is right now, most teams use slot receivers more than yeah. uh, the Seahawks. He'd, he'd, I guess, be the best. I think that Jordan Addison's going to be able to play both inside and outside. Jordan Addison's tape at Pitt when he was playing with um, Pickett was better than, even than it was this past season with USC, where it was pretty good with Caleb Williams. So he's got a lot of good production, and I think he can play on the outside. Um, which I don't have the confidence for within Jackson. So uh, even though I think with um, technically he's Adams a little bit shorter, but I just feel like Addison's got a little bit more of the outside to him ability than I see with Jackson. But Jackson's great, man. He is a good player. So I don't want to seem like I'm just crapping all over Smith and Jigbud where he's like, he's going to play in this league. He's going to be maybe the best, one of the best slots in this entire league when he gets rolling. Um, all right. So those are the receivers. Uh, there was also one tight end who did peak at the, uh, can Ahmad please do something about that, by the way? Do what? Uh, uh, Mod, please do something about the spammer, by the way, please. Oh, I got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is one tight end who has peaked at number 20 before. Um, and uh, Kyle Pitts, he ain't. So I think this is going to be quick. It's Michael Mayer. He's peaked at like 17 on these big boards. Any interest at number five with Michael Mayer? <laughs> Not at a four seven forty. No, yeah. uh, unfortunately, no. Not not at that not at that rate. That's just a. Um, he's a second round guy to me. He's comped out to Zach Miller. I believe Zach Miller went in the second round when he was picked, running kind of similar scores with his. You know, just a good all around tight end. Absolutely. I think that there's a really good chance at this point that, and this is maybe a place where the board is not caught up because I think he's moving up and up. I think Darnell Washington goes in the top twenty six at this point. And you as think a very, he goes above Mayor. Yeah. Really? Okay. I do. I mean, I, I think he should. I don't know if he will. I think he'll be the first tight end off the board because of the fact that he is so complete and he tested so well at the combine. Um, I mean, he ran, uh, I forget what I was looking today, but I was just, Brandon blew me away. It's like 264. And, uh, oh, his, his testing was insane. I completely uh, it's, agree. I it's, love it. Yeah. Him. I mean, 157, 10 yard split on 6'4, 264. That's, that's like, almost like just about wide receiver 10 yard split times. That's, that's crazy. And so, you know, he's such a weird physical profile. I, I'm kind of surprised he has not moved up a little bit more, but I think he is going to get into the teens when it's all said and done. I had a mocked out to green Bay in my last mock at like 14, 15 or something like that. Yeah. Um, right now the second tight end on the, their board is actually Kincaid. He's a 25th Washington's 33rd, but I think you're right. That may move like, like there's yeah. still plenty of time. Kincaid's good too. He is, but he's not testing as well. I think he's dealing with something injury wise. Yeah. And none of those guys you would be interested in five, I assume. Right. I gotta say with Washington, I'm not going to go nay or yay or nay, but I'll go. I like, I, I, I I know it's, it would be a controversial. I probably wouldn't be the number one guy at it, but we're going to go through some of these other names, Brendan, the picking in five. And I, I don't, you know, there may be more names that are more associated with our Hawks, like a Tyree Wilson type, but I've got a lot more certainty about what I'm going to get on the football field from Darnell Washington than I do about Tyree Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe we can have this conversation later if he starts moving up these big boards, but as of right now, it seems kind of like a, it's too early for us to have that conversation. Let's let him actually get to the first round on the aggregate board first. That's fair enough. And I, I wasn't a yay on it. I was just yeah. a, I was just a, a the, the middle one. <laughs> Okay, so this next one is kind of tough because obviously we wouldn't want the Seahawks to take any of these players. But let's say we had a need at these positions. I'm talking about offensive tackle, right? 
Um, we don't need offensive tackles right now. We're actually pretty much taken care of in terms of starters and backups. Uh, all on rookie deals, by the way, still, which is pretty, uh, it's a pretty phenomenal feeling to be, have your tackle position taken care of by rookie deals. I love it. And is for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. But let's say we were in the position we were last year where our only left tackles were Stone Forsythe and Dwayne Brown had become a free agent. You didn't know if you wanted to bring him back or not. And Paris Johnson Jr. is there at five. Do you think he is on that objective level worth number five overall? No, he's probably about a, he's more like 12, 13 ish, or maybe right at 10, you know, right more where in the cross place of things went. I don't think he's physically dominant enough to be top five. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I don't get that uh, DeBrickishaw Ferguson type no. vibe from him. No, he's he's a good player. He can play some guard for you, which helps um, if you need in a pinch. Um, it, and he's he's definitely is a good mover at the position for sure. Fluid athlete, but I, I there's a, I want a little more of a don. I want a Penny Sewell if I'm going right. top five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Peter Skoronsky. So Skoronsky's actually one that I'm going to go with a surprise. I'll have more than five of yays, I think, on this list for you. Oh, I'm going to go with a sure. yay on Peter Skoronsky. Uh, and the reason being is that I think that he's probably the best left guard in this draft or right guard. I think he can play both. I think he can play every offensive line position. So he, he provides max vers versatility and flexibility here. Um, and it would be to go and be in favor of something that I've long wanted to see from us, which is to build this offensive line up. It's a need for the team right now. We have a guy that with Damian Lewis, now you have some insurance for him if he goes down the road because you have a contract situation coming up with him here. You also move to take this line to a more dominant place next year because if I go get a center and I pair him up with Skronsky and, and making that pick, it is a little high to take Skronsky. I'll give you that. It's a little high to take a guard. It's not ideal value. But the problem that lies here, Brendan, for me on this, when I look at this pick, and it's kind of my bottom line pointer a little bit with it, and then and why I'd like to trade back, is my feeling isn't there's a lot of guys here that I feel necessarily like, oh, this is a no-brainer, makes me feel great about this pick, absent a couple select few guys we'll talk about, one of which has the character background going with him. You know, um, So I, I would be okay with it because I could see the vision and what they're doing with that pick and that this guy's going to be a good pro. He's not going to be a left tackle in this sport. The arms are too short, but he should be a great left guard and a scheme fit for what we need at the left or right guard where he can do the mobility stuff. He can get out in space. He can hit the reach blocks. He's quick enough in that aspect of things. Um, so it wouldn't be the thing that gets me up and down excited and jumping up and doing backflips necessarily like maybe some of the other picks, but would it be a meat and potatoes kind of pick that makes a lot of sense if you're looking to build one of the best offensive lines in the NFL at that point, Brendan? Because you can get mad about the pick, but you come down with the bottom line of coming out of this draft with Skaronsky and Luke Wolper in the second round, let's say, or Schmitz in the second round. That's an offensive line within the next couple of years, which should be a top three unit in all of the NFL. Yeah. Um, so you think Skaronsky's not going to be playing tackle in the NFL? You're pretty convinced of that, right? It's a, just like the corners on the outside. There's few guys with less than a certain arm length size that can play on the outside in the NFL, a tackle. There's like two guys with less than, I think, 32-inch long arms starting in the NFL. So 32, you got two starting. I lean into the historical norms on that, where there are guys that short arms can get by on it, but more often than not, you, you're going to get kicked inside if that's where you're at. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I would be a nay on Skaronsky. I like him a lot. I'm not taking anything away from him, but there's no way I'm spending a top five pick on a guard. That's another thing that's against my religion. You, you bring up a really interesting point, though. It would be like, it, it, it's like your that's your pathway to taking the um, getting the best offensive line in the league. That is definitely intriguing. 
I just feel like I can accomplish that um, a little bit later as well. And you certainly could. Um, there are certainly other guys that we can look at the guard spot and other places on the line with it. Um, it wouldn't be my number one pick to go with Skaronsky, but it would be one that I can understand the, because of that backtracking a little bit of the, the rationale behind it and what they're trying to attempt to do. I I've long had, you can acknowledge this being, we've done these shows. I've long had a preference for wanting to see at the head of the stack of a team, us build our offensive line as the forefront, not defense, not defensive line, not our safeties, not the ride receivers get the offensive line built as a strength at the forefront of this team. And I will say that when it comes to guards that fit this scheme and finding guys that fit what you need them to do in this scheme from a mobility aspect, it is very hard to find. We have seen over the last couple of free agent periods, Brendan, not a lot of guys out there available at the position that fit to what you're looking for. You look at this draft and yeah, there are guys that are available later on. Steve Avilia, Osiris Torrance, but they don't fit the scheme as far as the mobility side and what you're, you're looking for or wanting. And so it does become a bit of a catch-22 as far as being hard to find those the talent for the position you're looking for. Yeah. Um, all right. So Broderick Jones would be the only other offensive tackle who's broached the uh, top 20 so far. Yeah, he's okay. No, I, I wouldn't be as – You're not you're, – you're, you're, do you're, much for a, me. You're a thumbs down there? I'm a thumbs down. You could maybe kick him into doing some guard stuff, but it's not the same as it is with Skaronsky there to me. In, in that so you can, you can make that work but yeah, yeah i nah, i can't yeah. get so other than skaronsky who you know is playing a, a tackle right now in college there are no pure interior offensive linemen that have gone to the top 20 so far which that's standard right you you wouldn't expect a center or a guard to ever get in the top 20 no uh, I wouldn't. I, I would think that that's unless they're they've got to be an insanely talented to get up to that spot. They got to be like Hutchinson was back in the day, you know. Yeah, um, like I think the peak of Torrance, who is the top ranked guard on the aggregate board, is twenty two. So he's actually gotten close. And I personally wouldn't take him anywhere near twenty two. I don't like him that much, but he's peaked there. John Michael Schmitz has peaked at forty three. So, uh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, especially with his testing numbers. I'm sorry, just dealing with the chat here real quick. As we got all right, Ishmael, gave you a chance, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he he's uh, spammed my channel before too. I'm familiar with that particular individual. Um, but yeah, Schmitz, he tested so poorly at the combine, Brennan, he wasn't gonna get up into the even you know, he might still get in the first round because his tape's just so clean. But you if you were gonna be in that level, you gotta be a, a great tester, you gotta really show something off physically that's um supreme. Right. So that's the offense. That's everybody on offense who's peaked in the top 20 so far. We did find quite a few guys that uh, we would get behind, I think. Um, like like uh, you were yay on Stroud. You were yay on Richardson. You were yay on Skaronsky. And I think you basically intimated that in a different circumstance, you would be a yay on Levis and Bijan, but not with the team in the situation that they're in right now. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seemed like you were a bit of a meh on Paris Johnson Jr. If we needed a tackle, like again, hypothetically, because we all yeah. know we don't. Yeah, and then you were a nay on Bryce Young, Jackson Smith, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Jalen Hyatt, Michael Mayer, and Broderick Jones. None of it particularly surprising. Right, that's a crack. All right, so now let's crack open the egg of the more exciting side of the ball. I think for this mm -hmm. draft, the defense. And Let's we're going to start, we're, we're going to get right into it, man. We're going to go to the defense. We're going to go to the defensive line. And we're going to talk about this uh, guy that Seahawks fans constantly want to talk about. We're talking about Jalen Carter. Seahawks take him number five overall. Are you yay? Are you meh? Are you nay? 
I'll be doing a, a literal standing backflip on live stream if we take Jalen Carter. So I don't know if it'll be a full like 520 flip, you know, but there'll be a good 360 in the air if I turn that one through. Uh, as I've said, I will trust John Schneider on his determination on this. And if he drafts Jalen, I'm going to going to take for granted the fact that he's done his due diligence background check on him. I don't think that he'd be grabbing him if he was the characteristic some have made him out to be if they choose to select him. He is the most talented player in this draft, not just the most talented defensive player, the most talented player, in my opinion, in this entire draft. I would jump all day long all over this if it's clear, clean, as far as the character is concerned. Yeah, I, I agree. And I actually agree with what you said the other way as well. If Jalen Carter's there at five and we don't take him, I'm going to assume that they found something they didn't like, and I'm going to live with the fact that I don't know exactly what it is, but it was something. Yeah, I get pressed a lot, Brendan. I, this is one of the subjects I get pushed on on my channel. I don't know if you do as well as hard as, as to take a stand on this and to, to, to you know bury my flag in the ground one way or another on this. And I just can't do it. I don't feel like we've got the information here. And no matter what we think we know about this situation, we know very little compared to what John Schneider is going to have on his end of this and what he has at yeah. his disposal. Yeah. And you, you guys know, I'm not the guy who says trust in Pete and John, no matter what, right. of course not. But here I think we have to, and I'm really going to encourage people because I know I'm going to be streaming the draft. I know you will too. Mm -hmm. If Carter's there at five and we don't take him, I know my chat's going to explode. People are going yeah. to be furious, but I would really, now people are going to react the way they want to react. I understand that, you know, you, you can't help that. If you really like Jalen Carter and we don't take him, you're going to be upset. But I would definitely caution people against, you know, getting out pitchforks and torches if we don't take Jalen Carter. When I think Occam's razor indicates they looked into his history, they looked into his background and they found something they didn't like. Yeah. I mean, because it, it is a supreme, this is the the need you have right now on this team. And you have the player that's the best defensive player of the draft, the best talent. Certainly there was a draw from Schneider to your point on this, to go get this guy right now. Before we look at the character stuff, just on, Hey, there's this player that you need for your defense. Yeah. Get us that. And he happens to slide because uh, quarterbacks are going to be taken higher than him and he'll fall to your lap because of that. And then, well, you would want him. So, it, it, you know, it's not a matter of Schneider being out on this guy, not because he doesn't like his town or whatever. If he's out on him, it's because he's seen something that, you know, we're again, we we get to feel like, Brendan, I think in this 24-hour news cycle, like we're seeing this whole picture on things happening at times because it feels like that breaking news and this Twitter and I heard from this guy and I know this, and you, but you're really not at the end of the day compared to what these front offices have and what they utilize and how much money they spend, spend to find out about these guys and how they tick and the way they tick and the psychologists they employ in the interviews and the techniques that they use to dig in. It's, it's, it, we only can barely scratch the surface with the information that we're pulling from it compared to them. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I'm really going to hammer as we move along this process. Um, another defensive lineman, uh, Brian Brissy or Brissy. Seahawks take him number five. How you no. feeling? You're no. Nay, I mean, the tape's too inconsistent off him. All the Clemson defenders, it's too inconsistent um, from last year, from what they were in 2021. Basically the big three, the Trent Simpson, the Breezy, and um, uh, Murphy. All three of them's tape was a, a drop from the prior year, and that would make it impossible, I think, on all three of them at this point to go pull the trigger at five on them. Yeah, um, there was definitely a time when he was up there in the top five, and he took a while to get his legs underneath him last year, and I think that hurt him. Mm -hmm. It would not surprise me if in a few years we're looking at Brian Brissy as being one of the best players to come out of this draft, like one of the five best players. 
I could see but, him developing into a Jeffrey Simmons kind of guy. Yeah. To your point. To your point on that. Yeah. But as of right now, it's tough to justify. I mm-hmm. would be probably a man on it. I don't think I would be angry about it. I would just be like, yeah, that's kind of boring. Yeah. I don't think I could bring myself to be completely upset about it because I like him a lot. Um, this guy has not yet peaked in the top 20, but I believe he's going to. So let's just go ahead and knock it out of the way. Cansey, Kalija Cansey of the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Seahawks take him at number five. How are you feeling? Yay, may or nah? Nay. It's a little high, but it's. I would still go yay. He's my second defensive tackle on the board. Um, and I've I've come to the conclusion in watching his tape and thinking a lot about this. This is one of those draft subjects that I think I've put as much pondering into as ever. Um, I don't think that the arm length is going to be as much a detriment to him because of what he brings on the other side of his skill set as far as explosiveness goes to counterbalance it. And watching what Aaron Donald's been able to do with the similar skill set and and wrecking shop and doing it from within the same defense that we employ. I <clears throat> I think you could get some of that out of this guy. He's not going to be Donald. That's not his upside. But can he become 88% of Aaron Donald? Yeah. yeah. Is 88% of Aaron Donald worth the fifth overall pick in the NFL draft? Yeah. For me, it is. We're probably never going to see another Aaron Donald again. That's not a realistic uh, uh, standard to hold anybody to. So, yeah, I got no problem with that. Um, I don't know if I would be a yay, but I would be pretty close to it, man. Like, I would be like, I think we, when I watch the tape, he's just so slippery. Like, he nobody is. can get a good block on him. No. I know he's got the short arms, but nobody can, like, it's just weird how he just keeps getting through. It, it's crazy. I, my theory on it has been a little bit of the short arms. Let's see what you think about this, where it's, you got the arm length thing issue, and it's it's that most of the time these guys both come off the line somewhat at the same speed. And so you have the arms come out from the longer guy and the longer guy gets first impact. And so he sort of wins. But if I've got the explosive guy that can get into the arms, like a fight, like Tyson did, Mike Tyson's the fighter going up against longer fighting arm guys, right? He's explosiveness and his ability to get inside with, with way he worked his moves. I feel like Cansey's the same way where he, he does, it's not as much a detriment because he's so explosive and getting to the spot quicker than any other defensive tackles do as evidenced by the fastest 40 time that he ran in the last 25 years of the combine. Right. So he's just, he's so quick in there. And that's what to me starts that you're right about the slipperiness is it then becomes slippery because they can't get the full, they can't get a good hard hit on him. It's like, you're mm-hmm. always getting a bit of a glancing block blow on a shoulder or whatnot because he's so fast to a spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if there's any player that does what, um, who's the number one pick last year? Trayvon um, Walker. Yeah. Walker. If any player does what Walker did last year, I think it's going to be him. Somebody who's mm-hmm. just kind of hanging out at the bottom of the first round, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's going top five. Where, where did that come from? His tape is explosive, and it pops. And there's some tape on some of these guys that doesn't quite pop in the same way with the, some of these defensive tackles that are probably even some of the ones you're going to include on your list here. Um, but his does. He's got the t- TFL numbers. He's got the sack numbers. You turn on the tape, and it shows up. You don't have to kind of – how does this look when it's going right? It, it's just a matter of that arm length is the only thing, Brendan. And if he had two-inch long armors, two-inch longer arms, there'd be no doubt about him being the number fifth overall pick for us. It'd be absolutely a no-doubter. Is there anything you can do about that? Is there like a surgery you can get? Like, uh... remember, remember Webster back in the day, he'd stretch himself out, he'd hang himself in the closet. And that was an old episode of the, uh, we're going way back to the back in the day. So I don't know. They can do leg extensions, man. Maybe they can, they can they do arm extensions. Yeah. Okay. So those are the defensive linemen that could go feasibly, reasonably within that top uh, five type range. Uh, after that, you start to get into like the nose tackles, and no nose tackles ever going to go in the top five. Like Mozzie Smith Bay. is the only guy, and he's not—he's a yeah. run stopper. He's not no pass yeah. rush. 
Right. So let's move on to the edge rushers here. We got a good crop of edge rushers that have peaked at the top 20. Hmm. Uh, we're going to start with the big one, of course, Will Anderson Jr. Seahawks get him at five. How are you feeling? Beautiful. Wonderful scenario. Just second to Jalen Carter is the most ideal scenario for us at number five for me. He is a um, a game wrecker. He is a smart player. He has a great feel for the position. Uh, people were trying to call him generational talent, and now this has kind of cooled people off because they started to watch the tape or they see the testing numbers at 4, 6, 40, and, and, and the 10-yard and the split not being amazingly fast like Vaughn Miller or Derek Thomas. He was never those guys, but he's a really good football player. And my comp is Charles Haley. I think that's who he fits out to, who's a great player in this league, won like four or five Super Bowl championships. Um, he can do it all from the position. So uh, yeah. I'd love it. Yeah, I'm a big yay on Will Anderson. I I actually, as of right now, it's it's slight, but I prefer him to Carter. I think there are a few less questions, and I, I would just feel much safer. Like, look, if, if we take Jalen Carter, I'm going to trust John, but I'm mm -hmm. still going to be nervous. Mm -hmm. We take Will Anderson, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm not nervous at all. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. He's right neck and neck with Carter, so it's not a wide difference between the two. He is he is right there with him. Right. Uh, okay, uh, next edge. And a couple of these edges, by the way, some people say they're going to bulk up and play on the defensive line in the NFL. So if you feel that way, you can go ahead and say so. Uh, Tyree Wilson, yay, mm -hmm. meh, or nay? I'm, I'm meh on Tyree Wilson at this point. Yeah, I, I think Tyree Wilson at five is like the perfect embodiment of meh. It would be okay, yeah. but can we do a little bit better, please? Yeah, it, it would be like the most boring flavor. Like you have all these flavors you could have chosen, right? And it like you got, you know, with all these dynamic flavors that this tastes like this and that's, and you get vanilla, you know, and you're like, well, it's, it's vanilla. It's, yeah, it's solid, but it ain't, you know, it ain't chocolate. Yeah. It ain't, you know, it ain't, it, there ain't nothing fancy with it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, you, you, it's boring. You're right. That's the best way to put it. It'd be boring. I, I'm not. He's not testing. His doctor told him something with the surgery and stitches, and don't want to tear stuff open. So we're not going to know how he tests. That's all going to be blind item in the dark going into the draft. But uh, I mean, a lot of people love him, man. A lot of people feel like he's even better than Will Anderson. I hear Arizona's actually flirting with the him as a pick. I don't see how you they can say that. Like he didn't even do anything at the combine. Like this guy's been hurt. I, I don't know either. Um, I don't either. And, and the tape isn't exactly going to blow you away, especially if you go back and watch the junior film. You're like, ooh, a little, long road to go here with this boy. You know, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miles Murphy. No, no. It's that, that inconsistent tape thing. I'd go more breezy than I'd want to go with Murphy, to be honest with you. Um, and it's just Murphy's you know, Murphy. falling off a cliff, man. There was a point where he was top five. Now I don't even know if he's a first rounder. Yeah, it, it's just your your rep carries for a while, right? And it's so it's like that 2021 rep you saw with both with Breezy Simpson and this kid. It it carried for a while. It carried through the whole college scene. It carried through the first like month of the college uh, season ending, Brendan. And then you start to see people kind of going more, looking more and more at the tape of the past season, going, boy. You know, why, why does Simpson look so uncomfortable now being moved into the middle linebacker position? He's supposed to be a, a middle linebacker where he projects, but he looks kind of uncomfortable there from where he was playing off the edge the year before. And then Breezy, you know, the injury. And then with this guy, there is no real like, you know, what's the excuse? You know, it's not an injury. He didn't play a new scheme. He just disappeared in games for huge stretches. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a nay there as well. 
I, at 20, that's kind of interesting. Sure. But, yeah, I agree. Okay, these last three I think we're going to be pretty quick on. Uh, Lucas Van Ness. <laughs> I can't get on board with Lucas Van Ness, so I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, that's <laughs> a nay. I don't even know if I would take him at like 37. I, I, just, I, I just don't like him. I know, man. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And someone's talking to me and like, well, did you see him running over Skaronsky? Cause there's a cut you can find of him running over Skaronsky. But it's like, well, yeah, he's Skaronsky's not going to play left tackle at the next level. That's why Skaronsky's got the short arms. Van Ness has got 34 inch long arms, you know, and, and does the, does the things Van Ness does, which is he's, he's a block and shed tackle, right? Everything with Van Ness is a, the guy in front of him is the block and shed tackle that the linemen do that move, you know, where they go. Yeah. And they throw it and throw it away. That's all Van Ness does every single play. He doesn't have any bend, no first step quickness. And that's my problem, Brendan, with him is if I don't have a quarterback who has arm strength, Brendan, right? If I don't have a cornerback who can who can run, who has speed, right? If I've got a pass rusher who doesn't have first step quickness, bend, or dip, it's kind of a problem, isn't it? As far as aren't those kind of base necessities I need yeah. for the position? I wonder if he's going to bulk up and end up on the defensive line, you know, maybe like he five tech some, stuff. He played some interior snaps for, uh, I believe Iowa at times. They didn't do a lot of it, but I think he did a few snaps in there. He's he's strong enough, big enough. So, I mean, yeah, maybe, but I'm, I'm with you. I just can't, I can't quite get on board with understanding with the guy that seems kind of just power goes away. If you are power on the college level and that's how you win every snap is power, power, power. It's the LJ Collier thing. That's how LJ Collier went in college. Power, 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 power. LJ had no first step quickness, no dip, no bend. It's well, you get to the NFL level, everybody's strong, Brendan. Why? Because everybody can lift a weight. Not everybody can run super fast. And you can go out there and run all you want all day. You're not going to make yourself faster. So he, he ain't making himself quicker. He ain't making himself more bendy. He ain't making himself bring a dip move to play. Mm. <laughs> all right. Uh, Nolan Smith. Uh, Nolan Smith. Um, no, not at number five. It's definitely been pushed up, been pushed up a little bit too high here for my standpoint. Yeah, I think he's peaking right now at about 19 or 20. Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right from where his value is going to be going. And I get that if you picked him there, that makes sense because he does give you as the base floor this kid. You're not sure about what you get as a pass rusher, but the floor is I'm getting one of the best, if not the best, run defending edge players in this entire draft. And if that's what you're pulling from, there is a value in that, right? And and he has the he has a physical skill set, Brendan, where he should give you more as a pass rusher. You just haven't seen it on tape, despite the fact he has kind of played a lot of football there at Georgia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a nay on Nolan Smith at five as well. Too high, too much. I like him, but not at five. Mm. And one more edge, and this one's just kind of a funny anecdote now uh, that this guy was ever in the top twenty at any point. It's Andre Carter the <laughs> second. Yeah, yeah, no. No, definitely not on him. One year wonder, and he's not had a good testing process through this post this evaluation process, and he is he certainly has just that playing against lesser competition is a one year wonder too. On top of it, so um, he's got some first step quickness and stuff, but he's more in my range now. I've dropped him all the way down third, fourth roundish area where I've got. I don't. Him. Even, he had such a bad combine. I don't even know if he's going to get drafted at this rate. Like like he he really does look like just somebody who feasted against terrible opposition. He did. And I mean, it's, it's, and it came in that year that was right after the vid year. Right. So that's what you see. Like, it's like the Clemson players, right, Brendan? There's this year in 2021, which is like the full fallout year from all the stuff going out of whack where 
things just seemed a little skewed in that year for whatever reason, statistically across the board. I don't have a great explanation, but I see a lot of these guys where I look at their stats in 21 to 22 and you'll see some differences. And I think it's eye-opening and notable and not just to be simply glossed over and to say, well, he just, he got doubled up a bunch here. I can say that with Will Anderson. Will Anderson loses the production from 21 to 22. When I turn on the tape, Anderson's being doubled a high amount of the time. They're running away from him on every single play as far as when it's a run play goes. So that's more quantified, but that wasn't the case with what I saw of him. It was just he had snaps. He wasn't getting it done off the off the tape. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is it for the edges. I think the next edge would be like Will McDonald at this point, and he's never been even – I don't even think he's a first-round guy yet. Maybe he can get there, but not Oh, he's yet, a first-rounder. So. He's a first-rounder. It probably will be by the time we get there. I agree. Yeah. But as of right now, I think he's like peaked at like 34, 35. Uh, so linebacker, there's actually only one linebacker that is uh, peaked at the top 20 at any point during this process. And it's uh, Trenton Simpson. Ah. Yeah. Um, there are probably, uh, he's not the top linebacker right now, by the way. That's actually Drew Sanders for whatever that's worth. Jeez. Really? Yeah. Drew Sanders is 39. Trenton Simpson is 40. So it's like super close. Don't get me wrong. Wow. Okay. But Trenton Simpson, none of these linebackers can't see any of them at number five. Who was the last linebacker, like, like inside off ball linebacker to go top five anyway? Devin Bush. Or no, not, no, 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 not Devin Bush. The, uh, the Tampa Bay guy white. Oh yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah. He was like sixth. So basically, yeah, it doesn't happen often. Like AJ Hawk, I remember was like the sixth pick if I recall correct or fourth actually. Fourth or fifth, something like that. John John Snyder yeah. was talking about that. He was it on that pick at the time. Um, so he has a prop past of taking a top five middle linebacker. You never know with him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's they don't go very often, man. I was I'm I'm like going through my heads, like you know, gosh, you go that you go almost could go uh Aaron Curry, AJ Hawk, uh White. I mean, who who else can we think yeah. of that's been taken as a middle linebacker at the Erlacher go like eighth overall or something? That's that sounds right with her lacquer. It's like eighth. It was like eighth. And of course, Parsons went like what 12th, 13th. Yeah. And so he's I mean, is he does he play more reps at linebacker or defensive end right now? Like it's kind of split almost evenly as far as I've looked into yeah. it. Yeah, like, um, I hated the pick when it happened because I didn't know about his defensive end stuff because I didn't look into him really because he didn't do it in college. You wouldn't have seen yeah. it. You wouldn't have seen it like they didn't Penn State didn't use him that way, you know, and and so it's Hard to, hard to make that. It's, it's like the, it's the, it's what I call it said. It's that uh, Justin Herbert thing. You know what I mean? Cause uh, you'll go through this process. There'll be a lot of people when you go through the draft process, you've had happen. I'm sure to you, where it's like, Oh, you didn't see this on this guy. It's like, well, Oh, he didn't show it in college. You know, Justin Herbert didn't show the type of player he's been in, with the chargers in college, he'd playing off script, handling pressure, you know, doing that type of thing. Um, same thing there. You know, the, the guy doesn't show you in Parsons, their passwords. How can you predict it? So no linebacker at five, you would be okay with, I assume. I would be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. We got a donation here real quick. Oh, too. okay. Uh, Ming Lee, thank you for the $2 donation. Ming says, where do you rate the current Seahawks free agency? Hmm. So let's go with like, I guess like he's kind of like a letter grade here. We would give it as, I guess, so to speak. Um, I guess at this point I'll give it a B plus because they kind of took care of almost everything that I wanted them to take care of. 
I, I know Ming, it would be fun if uh, me and Brendan could have uh, disagreement or difference uh, variance on this, but I was going to go right to B plus in my mind as well. I, I think what you've done is on the plus side to Brendan's point on this, you've dealt with the needs and what you have to fill this team out to make it to, to, to get your holes filled before you came into the draft so that you could let the draft be driven by BPA. And I love that part. That's the ideal of, I think what you want to accomplish in free agency is to set the stage for the draft. So you're truly taking the best player at every single pick, not on a couple of the picks, not on a few, but every Every single one Ming, that's the way it's led to the, the little bit of the downside, which is the bit of the negative why it's at a B plus, And I'm sure this is why Brendan's got it as a B plus as well is just because it's a lot of the one year deals. It's a lot of the, you know, eating up a lot of the cap space very quickly at times, rather than being willing to give out a few more of those multi-year deals to fit in more players to then really have a super, a super set of free agent period at that point. So that's the one thing that just a little bit of a pullback, but I love the players, love how they're moved. They got great value, good age on these guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I would push back a little bit on one thing you said. I, I don't mm -hmm. know if we've set up to do BPA because our defensive line is so destitute. I will say that's the only area of the team that's destitute, but I do believe it kind of is. We literally don't have a nose tackle. All right, so you bring up a good point on that, but that's that's where because uh, I think there's a bit of a tandem to your point on this that I that I'd offer to you, and you and I have talked about this. So let me see if you you feel this way. Is you're right. Number one, you're correct. You you haven't addressed the defensive tackle, and to on the surface of that, that then doesn't lead you to be able to pick for best player available. But what I've also said is the the most ideal scenario in picking best player available is when your BPA meets need. It doesn't happen often. It happened last year, for instance, with the cross pick, right? And you've ran through. We were lamenting this, and both you and I are running our mock draft scenarios here recently. Is that when you mock out and you look at number five? Let's say it's Carter at the pick there, or you move back to twelve, and you're talking about maybe being at a Cansey pick there that you're thinking about making as the selection, or you move back to twenty and or or into the teens, and it's a Brian Breesy Cansey kind of combination. You very well, especially in that first round period, Brendan, or through the first, let's say, even go to the Mossy Smith pick at 37, right? A, a defensive tackle. You're at a spot there where those picks come up and the defensive tackle is the best weighted position for you when you're selecting there. That is the BPA. It happens to also then marry the need of the position. But tell me, Brendan, if I'm wrong on this, who is the guy if I'm looking at, at 12 at Cansey as we're breaking this down? And instead of going with Cansey, I'm going with this player who's significantly more BPA. He's, he's a much higher than Cansey. You're reaching for a need at Cansey rather than going for this guy at 13. I mean, well, hopefully it breaks out that way. And you're right. There's a very good chance it does. But look, I mean, there's still, I, I think people are assuming that Arizona is not going to take Jalen Carter. I think there's a very real chance they do. Sure. And there's a scenario where Jalen Carter goes to Arizona and then you're probably taking Will Anderson. You're happy with that, but you're not addressing the defensive line. But then you come um, back, and then, sorry, and then at 20, like, okay, what if Cansey's gone? That's possible, right? Like I said, he's a guy who could shoot up these boards. Sure. And then you're hoping Brissy's there. And what if he isn't there? And then suddenly you're like, oh, well, this board is not falling the way we were hoping. We're not really able to address our defensive line until maybe uh, day late in day two. And like that can happen, right? It certainly could happen. I think having the four selections in the fifth, first 52 picks give you a little more control over this as opposed to we're selecting. we got to wait 32 selections until we're coming back around again to the other side of this. Um, and certainly if they do any kind of trading back in this scenario too, Brendan, on top of this, that could impact it by giving you more picks. But even if you're at 20 at that point and we're talking about it being breezy or like we said with Miles um, Murphy being there, you know, who's 
who is the guy that's so much more of an outstanding talent? Theoretically, I know you're right. We don't know how this will exactly shake out, but we can get a pretty good idea that it's going to be, you know, Jordan Addison is likely to be the receiver that's available for you from the receiver core at that point versus going with a Miles Murphy. Is that a better option? Is there a better option at the guard position or center position at that point than going? Not necessarily, in my opinion. When I've gone through and run the mocks and I'm looking at who the value is, I've yet to run a mock in those spots where I'm not looking at a defensive tackle who's pretty much at the very least neck for neck with another position or another spot that, that is available there. Um, I guess the one place to maybe move off is if you're at five, like you said with Jalen Carter, that's the place I'd say you're right with. But if we're talking about it being the teens, it's different. Cause like you could go Gonzalez out of Oregon, right. With a five pick, though, it's not a need. That's a safe pick. He's going to be a safe player. That's better value than going for even maybe even a Cansey. Like he's going to, he's a, if you're going BPA and you're at five, that's better to go that than Cansey at that point. It just is. Mm -hmm. But is it as much a need? No. Is it all that? You know, no, not on that. But I do think even if you're not able in that first pick, because it's an Anderson scenario, like you talked about, you're still coming back at Breezy or Miles Murphy at 20, 37. You've got Mazze Smith or Keanu Benton. The value will be there to take those guys. And the, one of those guys will be available to fit to the, to the needs of the team and what they do, I think. You're right. Yeah. It's a risk. It is a risk, yeah. but I think having the four picks mitigates some of that. Hopefully, hopefully you're right. And you're probably right, but I don't believe it's impossible that the board falls in a bad way. And then we're just unable to address defensive line without reaching. Right. Like I would that, say that can happen. would not maybe a backup plan then to think of what that Brendan is. You do have the, you do have kind of the Colts and the Titans on the line at 20 where you're, you're at 20 on draft day and neither of those teams have a new deal in place of Buckner or the other guy. And you call them up and you go, okay, we're going to give you a little bit more extra because it's borne out this way a little bit. I, I know that there's the contract stuff. Let's put that aside for a second. Let's just put it on the basis of they find a way, let's say. Yeah. Um, that you could still then maybe come back at that point and then readdress it if it did kind of fall out in that fashion to where the board just completely emptied on you. I mean, if you want to do that, you're going to have to do some of this void year stuff. You're going to have to defer some of these payments to players like Metcalf, Lockett. Like you can do it. Let, let, let's be clear about that. Mm -hmm. You would just have to be willing to do things they have been unwilling to do for the last couple of years. And right. I would be for it. I would absolutely be for it. I think that's okay. You're saying that's a possibility. I'm like, okay, but is it a possibility or is it just us kind of sitting here wishing that it could happen? But I, in reality, I, the team would sooner go into the season with the defensive line they have. Yeah, and I, I don't think it would be option A for them, certainly. So it would be that they would like to go and get the young guys' defensive tackle out of this draft and not be making that trade. But we're just talking about a scenario where there's like a run on defensive tackles and they find themselves pressed up against it. I think that there's some other alternative options that they could pull the that they could pull down um, that could be a little more creative with it just to if they get stuck in that fashion of things. So you're right, it, it is a little bit of a need, but I don't think you're driven to reach for a defensive tackle, which was kind of my point. That was that you're not put in a position in those first four, four of those 50 picks where there's some guy, I think we're going to walk out of it, a defensive tackle and go, wow, that was this mighty huge reach where you're obviously just, you LJ call you that one, you know, you completely grabbed out there for need on that one. I, I just don't see that as a, a foreseeable thing in the way they could go with this one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're very likely right. I agree. I, I'm just aware. I, I don't feel like it's pure BPA. If it was pure BPA, that would be one thing. Yeah. It's close. It's very close. And with the amount of money we had to spend, maybe it's as close as you can get. It's not pure. You're right. It, it, you're not, you're not operating with, which would be the absolute ultimate ideal for sure. 
but uh, it, it's somewhat close. And it's it's where the I think the value of the draft lands too with the defensive tackle talent in this draft at the top and and and, and being where it kind of fits out to a bit. But uh, you know, it could all be simplified if we just take Jalen Carter, Brendan. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If if he again, that that's the thing. If he's there, I'm starting to feel like we take him if he's there. But I'm not convinced Arizona is going to pass on him. Arizona's Arizona's being wild with it right now. So, your Tyree Wilson rumors, you're like, what are they doing down there? What yeah. are they doing? Well, they can do whatever they want to do as long as they're going to do stuff like that. It doesn't particularly bother oh, me. Arizona's going to Arizona, Brendan, and yeah. it's a beautiful thing for us. Okay. Um, a couple more positions to wrap up here. We're going to do cornerback. Uh, Christian Gonzalez. Yay, Mayor. Yeah, yay. that's a yay for me. Um, Akib Talib is my comp for him. Uh, he's as clean a cornerback prospect as you could ask for down the line. Yeah, I, I need to look at him a little bit more. I, I haven't done the uh, heavy lifting on cornerbacks yet. It's going to be hard for me to say we should spend a top five pick on a cornerback given all the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I was open to it last year. Right. Like I really liked what I saw with sauce and uh, even Stingley. So I, I can be convinced. I, I was thinking about this one a little bit on my earlier live stream today, Brendan. And, and let me see if you kind of are buying what I'm selling on this one when it comes to the Gonzalez pick is that we land on five and you and I have turned all over a lot of these. And, and a lot of them, we find ourselves, even when we come to a yay answer on some of these guys, it being, a kind of takes us a moment to get to a yay state. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Gonzalez first, Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy, Brian Breesey, Kalijah can't, you, you don't have the question marks there. And if you are talking about wanting to take the BPA guy, that is the guy that is, you know, I know this is a clean prospect, a great prospect, great top end to him, um, solid background out of college. That is kind of what you get from the Gonzalez guy at that point, making that pick at five. It is a little bit high for me on Gonzalez. I don't want to be taking him there, but I can understand if Schneider is kind of, it's like you're, you're looking at all these options and they all have these just big question marks to them. And you're like, I want at five to not have this question mark. I would expect at five to not have to have this many question marks on all of these different guys. Like I do. And he's the one guy I think that doesn't quite get you there. And, and people go in my chat, we're going, Brendan, you know, well, you got your corner set. And then I kind of went, well, but do we? Mike Jackson had a 60 rating PFF season last year. He was solid, but he wasn't great. And he has embedded himself with the position and he's not under contract long-term with the team. You've got Trey Brown who didn't bounce back off of injury last year really fast. We don't know if he's going to reclaim himself of what he showed in his rookie year. And then you have Kobe Bryant with his 30 and a half inch arms, which you might bounce into the outside with Julian Love here, but he may have short arms that he can't pull it off on the outside. Pickens kind of smoked him up with Pittsburgh last year in the preseason, didn't he? So, I go, is it as if you brought in a guy now, maybe more lockdown kind of corner on that side with, you know, you see where I'm going with this on with Tariq Woolen and that, that, that is more of the plan that develops and you come back to the defensive line later in the draft. It's not again, option a here, but I go, yeah, I can kind of see how that makes sense. Yeah. I think you can galaxy brain your way to it. It takes a little while to get there. You can get (laughs) there. Yeah. It's definitely not high on my list, but um, I'm going to look at these cornerbacks a little bit more. Uh, There's only one that I've done any significant looking at so far um and we'll get to him in a minute but uh you're yay on christian gonzalez at five i would be a yay on, on gonzalez yeah. okay uh devon witherspoon nay nay yeah, i don't know too much about witherspoon he's uh he's a real light guy he wouldn't fit to the cornerback model for kind of the bigger cornerbacks that they tend to look for as far as not just like tall but i'm talking like kind of you know they got some size to them a little bit, you know, and um, he's, yeah. but he's a really good tackler, feisty, talks, talks tons of j- junk. He's, he certainly fits to that model as far as the Ox look and uh, yeah. fun player, but yeah. 
Okay. Joey Porter Jr. Slight no on that one. Um, a big difference between Joey Porter and Christian Gonzalez is they tested very closely in certain respects of things. Christian can take the ball away. Jo Joey just, he's got hands. As I said, he, he has the hands of a, a, as the son of a former defensive end outside linebacker. <laughs> you know what I mean? So are you a so, mayor or a nay? A nay. Yeah, I, I liked him a lot, though, when I looked at him. He's the one cornerback I've looked at a little bit in this draft, and I, I was impressed. It's just I, I wouldn't do it at five. He's a fantastic corner, um, and he's absolutely a dog. He's got the Seahawks kind of model that they look for at cornerback. Um, he's long as hell, um, and he's fast. So I, I, I loved him. A suddenness, change of direction, everything you want in the cornerback, Brendan, it's just missing that taking away the ball. That's not going to come with him. He's never going to be a guy to intercept the ball at any kind of rate. So he's, he's there in coverage. He's there as a tackler. But am I going to make a top five pick on a cornerback that can't catch? Maybe, maybe you do. I mean, I, for me, I was just a little bit, I'd be a little bit in the realm of not quite there with it. I'll do it in the teens, mm -hmm. but a top five, not, not quite. Uh, Cam Smith. Cam Smith, uh, nope. Nah. Yeah. And the final one, and this guy's really slipped lately, but he did peak in the uh, teens. It was Keely Ringo. Mm -hmm. Well, Keely's a guy that uh, Richard Truman believes you can clean up the problems that showed up with him on tape and zone last year. And he did play a lot of zone. I, I love him. He is kind of one of my just favorite players to watch on film because I just love the ruggedness that he brought to the cornerback position. And I do think, Brendan, his fallback plan to eventually play free safety um, is a good spot. It gives you a little bit of a backup option there for him. If he kind of, if he does kind of not fail out at cornerback, all that being said, mm -hmm. it's a nay because yeah. just too high. Yeah. There was a time when he was actually, I think maybe he might've even peaked in the top 10. I uh, just been dropping like a rock lately. I don't really know why. Sometimes it just happens with these guys. It does guys, guys fall out of favor, man. You know, it gets weird and, and different guys will bump up for different reasons. And I think it's more of just sometimes guys, other guys get brighter, you know, they just, they really flash out and that just gets people on them. Okay. Uh, one more position. And this is going to be another one of those positions where we need to kind of step back from being fans of the Seahawks and be objective here. It's safety. Mm. And with the way the Seahawks <laughs> have set themselves up at safety, there's really no opportunity to take one at number five. Yeah. Arguably, there's no way that you take one anytime in the first two days. It just can't happen, right? I, I can't see how with the Julian Love signing that you would be willing to do that at this point. Yeah. I, I, so this is going to be a question of objective value if we were a team that needed a safety. Brian Branch. Not a five. Not a five. I do think Brian Branch is one of my top 10 best players in this draft, just bar just as a player. But I, I yeah. don't think you can take a, a slot potential long-term safety guy, strong safety guy at, at that spot. No. Yeah, I think I'd like him enough to be a meh. I don't think I'd be nay. I'd be like, eh, it's a reach, but I really like the player. I'd be kind of like, eh. I think he's going to slide in and become one of the best slot corners in this league. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I guess it's, it's like the inverse of the Jackson Smith and Jigba thing a little bit, right? Phenomenal, phenomenally talented kid in a very specific area. Um, and then the other problem I have, the only worry I have with Brian is taking top five. Is just it, do I know he's going to be able to play that strong safety role that I'd like to eventually transition him into, mm -hmm. um, or be able to flex him between the two over the course of his career? You know, between slot and strong. Um, and that part I'm I, I'm I'm kind of sure on, but I'm not sure enough to pull the trigger at five on. I'd be enough on top ten, pull the trigger on, but top five, you know. Uh, last one, Antonio Johnson. Hell no, no. <laughs> one of the more overrated safeties in this draft. Hey. 
All right, that's uh, everybody, guys. That's everybody who I think has a chance of being the pick at number five. I think that's everybody who has any chance at all of going in the top five. And we found a lot of ones we liked. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Come draft day, the Seahawks, they're going to take Peter Skaronsky at number five. Uh, Brandon's entire chat is going to set Blame his me. channel on fire. They're going to tell he's me. Gonna, I... <laughs> he's going to sit there like the dog and say, this is fine. <laughs> oh, it is. And they're going to be saying, you told John, you put it in his head. He wasn't even thinking Skaronsky. And then you made him think that the Seahawks fan base would be okay with it. And now you're facilitating this pick. <laughs> yeah. So our yays were CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Skaronsky, Jalen Carter, Kalija Kansi, Will Anderson Jr. and Christian Gonzalez. I feel pretty good about most of that. I would not be a yay on Skaronsky, but I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from with that for sure. You can so, see the plan. Even if you're not in favor of it, you can see the the plan as opposed to just the player itself associated with it. Yeah, and we also had one meh with Tyree Wilson. We had a couple of hypothetical mehs with Paris Johnson Jr. and Brian Branch. So even though I will say this draft class didn't end up being one of the better draft classes in recent memory, I feel like it's kind of middling. Mm -hmm. There's a lot we can do at number five that's going to be very, very appealing and very, very good is the point I'm trying to get out of here. Makes the draft fun for me and this a little bit extra special, Brendan, because of the fact there's the unpredictability that you don't normally get in drafts to your point and, and that you have a, a wild variety of places you could go at in this that make a, at least a small amount of sense in the different areas. Um, but the one place that I come to, and as you see with my yay list and your yay list on this, is that there's a variety of players you can pick here that make you pretty happy that you feel pretty good about your football team going forward on that pick, that you feel good about the rest of the picks as you move forward in this draft, who you select there. It's, it's, it's hard to really go to somebody that you would feel like completely, you know, Oh my God, you know, this, how dare they? And not a lot of guys in that spot, even if they're not to a yay pot spot for me, I, 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 I could see, I could understand the selections, I guess. I mean, if they take Levis or Bryce Young in this situation, I would be kind of like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, that that would be a little bit different. The quarterback would yeah. be different. I mean, I was meaning more position players, I guess. Uh, just for fun, real quick, let's rank the seven guys you gave the unmitigated yay to. Okay. Okay, so it's Stroud and Richardson. It's, Carter's my number one. Yeah, Carter's number one. I definitely agree with that. Will and Anderson is my number two. Anderson's number two. Uh, then you have Kansas. Cansey, Stroud, Richardson, Skaronsky, and Gonzalez. So Stroud would be number three. Mm -hmm. um, mm, say the other names again, the remaining. Uh, Richardson, Skaronsky, Cansey, Christian Gonzalez. Cansey, Gonzalez, Richardson, Skaronsky. Uh, I, I dig it. I dig it. Okay. I think we've done pretty great work here. We've discussed a lot of different things we can do with this number five pick, man. A lot of stuff. Got a lot of movement on it. And Brendan, we didn't really get into what's the trades we get. We don't know what we get. We got a little bit into that at the top, but that's yeah. also the potential here as well is that that, that trade um, potentiality does remain a very viable option here, but there are some good, there are great players here and whoever we get in on these, these guys are going to help this team. It's going to make us better and make us better. Probably immediately. All these guys yeah. are ready to go outside the quarterbacks. Yeah, I actually think the four trade scenarios we came up with are pretty exhaustive. Like, if, if we yeah. trade down, it's going to be one of those four things. Vegas, Falcons, Titans, uh, Commanders. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
I don't see him going 20s or going that far back. The Commanders is absolutely, to me, the ceiling of as far back as you're willing to go in moving back in this draft. And even that, I think that that's not where they really, unless they're getting the haul, they're not going to do it. But you never know the Commander team there, Brendan. I think they, they're they they're looking a little desperate to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's basically been said that Schneider's going to be forced to sell before the season starts. Would he really do that, knowing that he's not even going to be able to own the team when they're reaping the benefit of it? I mean, if he's at that point, hasn't he completely checked out the process at that point pretty much? And he's just bittered by it. He's probably not even in on his team anymore as far as being as connected to it in that way, right? He's like, just yeah. run it. I wouldn't you, I, I, I'm not a big Snyder guy, but if I was Snyder in his position and the NFL's forced me out, I'm certainly going to be a lot less invested in my team and what I'm doing as far as, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, here's the question. What if they force him to sell? It, it's kind of too late for this to happen. What if he sells before the draft and then the new guy comes in and is like, I want to make this big splash. Let's trade up to, number, to the, the top five. It's absolutely possible. That's it. We see the owners come in and do that all the time. And one of the things that these, these new owners are going to want to do is they are going to want to start to customize it. My theory on this, my pet theory, Brendan, is that these owners want to have an ability to take responsibility for the success of the team. If they come in and buy the team, the only way you do that is being that you hire the guys or that you determine something that goes on with that team so that you go back in retrospect and say, yeah, see, I was the guy to see to go up there and get that quarterback, you know, kind of like you figure you picture Jerry Jones on every decision that's gone right for the, you know, Cowboys. Like, yeah, Micah Parsons, that's why he's just a good player. And I said to him, you draft Micah. I told him I stomped that table. I said, you take Micah right now. You know, it's like you get a, it's that inflated ego thing. I feel mm -hmm. like that, you know, and let's face it, but billionaires are certainly, if there's any party that's going to maybe have some inflated egos, it's probably going to be a, a billionaire, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, look, I mean, it would be a one-sided trade if that's the trade that actually gets done, but Washington does really need a quarterback and they have no real way to get one without trading up right now. No, they don't. And, uh, and certainly that they're talking about this in the background, there could be a trade in place right now between Schneider and, and commanders or another team that you talked about where they just, it's all built upon. Let's, we got to have, the, we want this guy to be available when you guys pick. So let's make sure this guy that's available. So that's, you wouldn't, you know, the trade's all on point. They've got all the parameters out, but they want to just wait to see that it plays out to where that player is available for that commander type team to trade up. I would be shocked though, in your point on that, if they did get the sale off and, four weeks before the, uh, before the draft. I think that this is probably one that's going to last all the way into the start of the year. Oh man. Before it finally that gets be, concluded. That's a terrible situation for fans of that team. When you think about it, cause like you've got an owner who is still going to own the team during the draft, but he doesn't care because he knows he's about to lose it. Like who's that, already done damage. He loves the team. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's, you know, he's, he's messing stuff up when he's supposed to be trying to get this thing right. You know, so yeah, you're right, man. I mean, it's freaky. Like what kind of damage is he going to do on his way out the door? It's like the tenant in your apartment you rented out that's tearing the walls up and banging holes in it and ripping the piping out, you know, force me out. Yeah. I, I read a story once about how when the Blazers fired uh, Kevin Pritchard as their GM mm -hmm. back when Paul Allen was their owner. Um, Apparently, Paul Allen actually went to Pritchard before the draft and was like, just so you know, you're fired after the draft, but I want you to run my draft first. I always thought, I'm surprised that worked out. That was probably not a good idea, but he actually, I, to my recollection, had a pretty good draft. I, I don't remember exactly what he did, but I remember thinking like that, that was not a smart thing to tell him. I guess it's going to do one of two things. It either it, it has him sabotage the draft or he tries to have the most amazing draft because he's like, this is what the last thing that goes on my resume trying to get my next job. So I better I better hit this out of the park on this one. But you're getting one of two extremes on that one from that general manager fire. And I would not be taking that route. If I'm firing a guy, it's like, you know, 
security will show you out the door, right? <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm making sure you're being walked out of the office. I'm not even going to like, you know, trust yeah. you know, taking a stapler or something on your way out. So, Yeah. Washington does have a GM, right? Schneider is not their GM, correct? No, they do have a GM. But okay. So maybe, maybe he'll be able to run things competently. I don't know. Yeah, I think they did a, I think it's the same guy they brought in last year. Cause remember they had to do that whole hire because of the whole problems they had with the Campbell thing leaving. And so they brought a new GM that was like, it was kind of a PR hire because they were like, right. you know, they were, that was the beginning of Schneider trying to, you know, do his, do his like cover up the damage uh, that had been done. So I think they did pretty good last year in their draft. They had a pretty, pretty good, but Brian Robinson turned out to be a pretty good yeah. player for them. Did they, did they take a defensive lineman in the first round again? No. Um, God, I can't remember what they did. They have made some picks I've really liked lately, though. I know that. What did they do last year? Yeah. There's first, hold on. I got to see pick. <laughs> I, I, it's going to bother me, Brennan. 2022. Yeah, I get it, too. Oh, Jaha Dotson. Okay, mm. that's why. Yeah, he was kind of forgettable a little bit. So, right. He's a pretty good player for them, I think. But, it, yeah, I was never really huge on him. He's kind of an undersized receiver that, you know, he's a gamer. Played bigger than he was, but. I don't think he did a lot from last year. So okay. we'll see what, they, see what they do. Well, uh, folks, uh, do me a couple favors here as we do wrap this on up. And uh, first off, go over to the Seahawks, Brandon Nelson's channel and do go ahead and sub up over to his channel. He does uh, darn near daily content, if not more so on some days. And he's been doing some draft breakdowns, going into deep on the positional groups in this draft, you know, going, going deep, not just the surface guys, not top guys going deep at it. So do go over there and sub up to his channel. If you couldn't do me a favor as well, we've had well over 400 people in the chat here at one point tonight. Do hit that like button. Do get subbed up if you're not already. I would really appreciate it. Uh, but other than that, we've got draft coming, Brendan. We are inside of 30 days. We are on the downhill swing of this, and I am getting more and more excited by the day, Brendan. It's feeling like a second Christmas to me. I mean, maybe I'm just <laughs> taking it too seriously, but I, I love having all these picks. I love all the possibilities and, and different iterations this draft could take. Um, Schneider's got to be a, like a kid in the candy store right now, doesn't he? Running through all the mock scenarios and war games. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's very rare. You have a team that was coming off a good season or at least a decent season and have that top five pick. That doesn't happen very often. doesn't happen. And you certainly don't get the extra first round pick and then have an extra second round pick in addition. And on the other end of that, a high second round pick at that being Denver's pick. So it's, we're in rarefied air. If this doesn't get you excited, folks, I don't know what does. If a great, great off season, like they've had overall a real strong off season, like they've had overall. And we even haven't got the best part. We haven't gotten to the main course yet. Doesn't get you excited. I don't know what will get yourself hype folks. The draft's coming down. Brennan and I are going to be live streaming all three days of the draft. We're going to be doing shows at the end of the days of the draft. We're going to be getting deep into this draft throughout the process. Next week, I'll be back on his channel on Thursday at seven o'clock Pacific standard time. But until that time, I hope you guys don't forget, and I hope you guys keep getting more hyped up because that drop's coming on board. But just in case you aren't, just in case you need a little bit of a little bit of a bump, a little bit of help, me and Brendan are here. We got you. We always got you in that respect. So don't you ever, ever, ever forget. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>